does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Pacers, Hawks, Purdue, Nebraska, Butler, Villanova, NFL wildcard weekend, Colts interviews continuing, and we're ready to roll on the fan. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, thrilled to be back for a third consecutive day with the big man who is going to start this show. Scott Pollard, let's rank the playoff games this weekend in terms of must-watch down to, okay, that's your built-in nap, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Here's the slate, everybody. Seattle, San Francisco, Chargers, Jags, Scott. That's Saturday, okay? Okay. Sunday, Miami, Buffalo, Baltimore without Lamar Jackson, Cincinnati. So a doubleheader Saturday, Sunday, and then the Monday nighter, Dallas, Tampa Bay. New rumors swirling that Tom Brady potentially is this the finally the time where he gets to Miami, something he's been trying to do for three years as far as we know. Let's rank top to bottom here, starting with the least entertaining game of this slate. I feel like the easy choice is is obvious. What do you think it is? Oh man, let me let me look at your list. Again. Yeah, Chargers, Jags, Seattle, San Fran, third string quarterback. That's yeah, that's it. it Chargers, Jags. Yeah, that's that's unwatchable. The football. toilet bowl of the AFC South yeah. has advanced, but but. Trevor Lawrence is at home. I mean, that's Chargers got to go across the country. Is him? He's gorgeous. He's a, he's a pretty he, human. His hair. Did he your might, hair? Did your hair ever get that long? Yeah, I had it shoulder length. He's like Thor, though. I mean, that dude is like. Are you seen the meme where somebody just like made him a woman, or there was a girl that looked just like him? Hasn't everyone been facially AI changed? Yeah. that was a good. Hot thing. Remember the old face for a while? The old face lasted longer than the chick face for There's whatever reason. There's a vampire wolf face, uh, werewolf face going on today because it's Friday the 13th. Happy yes. Friday the 13th, everybody. To all those of you who celebrate yeah. and who who recognize I Jimmy Mark Cook. Mark Boyle does. Yeah. his favorite number. He named a cat 13 once. You two may have been separated early on in life. Did he leave you at like a state park or something? <laughs> and now you're just He's, coming Mark back. Mark Boyle is my deadbeat dad. <laughs> Father? <laughs> hey, Father? Every time he comes on, I'm like, hey, Dad, why? It sounds familiar. It sounds like ne- neglect. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Cook, do you have a least watchable game of this AFC wildcard, NFC wildcard slate? Since your team doesn't have to play because you're so good at everything. Yeah, it, and we're going to get into your assistant coach who interviewed last night with the Colts. I don't have a complaint about having a week off. Um, for me, the least watchable game is Ravens and Bengals because without Lamar Jackson, I think the Bengals take care of business there. And but now it's Joe Burrow. They are a fun team to watch. But I could say the same thing about Bills and Dolphins. I was going to say because Skyler. Without, without yeah, so without Tua, again, yeah. I think the edge is probably obviously Vegas thinks that's a thirteen point edge to Buffalo. Um, I don't know which one you said was your favorite, but I'm actually very yeah, much give me yours forward to Chargers Jaguars because I love Justin Herbert and I've loved Trevor Lawrence's ascension the last four or five <laughs> weeks. I think this is going to be a very high-powered offensive game. 
and I, I'm thrilled about that game. I got to be honest. Of all the wild card games, I can't wait for that one. You Someone, clearly weren't listening to us. I know. <laughs> no. I heard you. I, I heard you mention that, that. I thought you said that was your least favorite. So I'm least. sorry I'm on the wrong side of no, no, Scott Pollard today because I, I ordinarily line up pretty well with you at least yeah. the last couple days. Well, but and you're today, a betting man, Chargers and you're, you're thinking about that. Oh, kind of I am. Stuff too, great. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. But I'm looking at that game as the game that is complete meaningless. Neither one of those teams is going to go far. Mm, that's fair. that's like whoever wins this game is going to lose the next one, no matter what. So that's where I'm like, that is why also I ranked it at the bottom because they're, they're going just, to Kansas City, like correct? In my Jim? era in the NBA, it was like if Memphis played the Grizzlies, like the old, like, no, that's Bing. the same team. Sorry. <laughs> the Grizzlies played the I would have liked the Clippers. Big, big country sure. going in, in down the to see. In the mid-2000s, sure. when the Clippers played the, the Grizzlies, it's like, yeah, they made the playoffs, but neither one of them's advancing. You know, they're going to play each other. Nobody's watching. And the next round, that But we could have watched smoked. Darius Miles and Q Rich dunk and yeah. fly through the air. Well, there's always that was gonna be, well, majestic. Like we're talking about with the quarterback. That's Jimmy's. I, they're your Clippers. I'll exactly. watch the Jags exactly. because of Trevor Lawrence. I think if you're this far away from Duval County and you're saying you're very invested in the game, the Jags should be sending you tickets to the hot tub to hop in there. <laughs> He's traveled be- from 14 <laughs> states away, Duval County. Jags Nation is strong. This could also James be Brandon Cook. Staley's last game as head coach. That Sean Payton <sighs> rumors continue to roll. They lose to Jacksonville. That rumor mill is only going to get hotter. So but there's a lot of implications on the line here. And yes, to answer your question, Charlie, as long as no other funny business happens... This is who Kansas City would play in the divisional round as the winner of this game. Scott Pollard and Jimmy Cook more likely to get fired if they lose. Brandon Staley in Los Angeles with what Jimmy just set up. It's L.A. You're trying to steal the spotlight from the Rams who are clearly in a world of hurt. It looks like Sean McVay is going to stick around potentially. Or Mike McCarthy being upset by Tom Brady on Monday night. Which coach most likely to go? Because Sean Payton will be the obvious choice for either franchise. That's that's a really hard one because on the one hand, L.A. is a big market and there's always a lot more pressure on the big market teams to do well and the coaches have a shorter leash typically. But Jerry Jones. Dallas. Yeah. (laughs) It's the market. There's big markets and there's the market. Well, And it's the owner that, that, like we were kind of discussing yesterday, sometimes an owner can interfere on the football side of things and he's the guy that does that. So poster uh, child for it for sure. Yeah, gosh, uh, I'm going with I'm going with Dallas. I think it's going to be Dallas. Jimmy Cook if he loses. Yes, of course. I'm more I, likely. I'm slightly I'm I'm slightly blinded <laughs> by the fact that Mike McCarthy is always on my television week after week after week because the head coach of the Cowboys that he should be fired. So on the one hand, I want to lean towards it's Dallas because he's continued to be, oh, this is Mike McCarthy's last week as head coach for the last two years. But on the other hand, <laughs> the Chargers, Justin Herbert. Imagine is, living through right, that. Right, right. Honey, they were talking about you again, and they're saying this could be it. Every, every Just, Sunday night. Lord, I told you, enough with the ESPN. <laughs> Every Sunday but on night, Hallmark. he comes home and smacks his wife because she reminds <laughs> him, hey, they said you're going to get fired again. Shut up, Martha. Gosh, what's wrong with you? You've got film to watch. I, I got a team to prep, prep for next week. <laughs> the, you're saying I'm going to get fired? <laughs> the moves the last year and a half by the AFC West have been in this chase against Kansas City. I think LA realizes the pressure on them and the fact that this is Herbert's beginning of his prime they and they've been so good the last here six weeks with how good they are they're they're yeah. a good football team 
I'm going to lean LA if they lose to Jacksonville. Okay. That's been slated there. We will get your third and final vote here. Must watch game. We'll watch the whole thing. We'll make it appointment television. Um, is it the Dallas Tampa game? Are you really going to, are you really going to say you're not going to watch that and potentially see, I mean, Tampa Bay is bad. If Tom Brady pulls this out of his hat, told you this it's two just weeks another ago. Jimmy's just shaking I his told head. you this two weeks ago, and I have had this gut feeling about it since they came back against Washington or wherever it was. Uh-huh. Tom Brady, if things play out the right way, is going to have an opportunity to backdoor his way into the NFC Championship game. So this is must-watch TV for that reason, because like you mentioned, it's Tom Brady's last ride in Tampa Bay, potentially, and it's also maybe the last iteration of the Cowboys as they are right now. Correct. So this this, this winner would go to Philadelphia, correct? I, it, it, I, hot, lowest pays out, but, but I believe so. I believe that's this is locked in as lowest the, division, highest right, wild right, card, right. sees the bye team. Right. A- additional factor in my voting, if rumors of uh, – why is his name? Brady. No, no. no. Uh, Buffalo, the guy that was just hurt. Why is his name? DeMar Hamlin. DeMar. If rumors of DeMar oh. showing up in the stadium for the Buffalo game – Boom. Oh, yeah. There won't be another game on TV. No, no. It will be – the other games will be oh. preempted with his police <laughs> escort into the stadium. And Bill, oh Bill's gosh. Mafia is going to – they're, they're going to have to set up a jail. They're, they're going to lose <laughs> collective minds. Yes. They're going yeah. to lose their minds, as they should. Have you oh, talked yeah. to Bailiff Pollard? He'll be handling your <laughs> your arrangements, young man. <laughs> that that will be oh, the must-watch Thank game. you, Scott. Yeah, if, if that happens – There'll be 24-hour coverage on a lot of channels. You're right. And Buffalo, it seems, look, we learned earlier this week as we continue to celebrate the best story of this year. And hopefully, as we've all spoken off the air together and hear about, hopefully we've all taken a piece of this and decided to have a better year than we were going to have and are finding ways to better ourselves because of what we all watched together. But you're right. They're... I haven't seen much about surely if DeMar Hamlin is if it's safe, you know, think about the adrenaline and <laughs> yeah. is he ready for an environment again? One would hope that if Buffalo advances, his recovery would advance to the point where we could all enjoy that and see him most importantly enjoy that moment. Yeah. And Whew. and return to Whew. some normalcy. Whew. Yeah, that that would be incredible. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy King. This is the fan. There is Pacers, Hawks, Nate McMillan tonight, 7 o'clock. Atlanta is a dysfunctional mess. We're going (laughs) to take a magnifying glass to really the most underrated uh, just drama reality show over the past month in the NBA. It's been very tough for Coach McMillan, who exited here, took the Hawks. You remember that team, Scott, made the Eastern Conference Finals when he hopped in for Lloyd Pierce, who's now here. Uh, Just a surprise run there. They got bounced in the first round last year by the Heat and made a big trade that's pretty much gone south to this point. Purdue and Nebraska, the paint crew is back. Jimmy Cook and Scott Pollard. Nebraska took Purdue, Scott, last month to overtime. Okay? This was a three-point game. The students are back on campus, and Vegas has noticed that and made Purdue a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. These two teams went toe-to-toe. That's how much of a home court advantage this line is potentially. Sure, maybe, you know, 
any home team, what, you get the boost to three points, but you just saw these two teams play to overtime. It was a tight game throughout the contest, and now Purdue goes home and is a 14.5-point favorite a few weeks later. Have you been to Mackey Arena anytime recently? No, not recently. Okay. Last time I was there, I was there to actually watch Kansas play volleyball there. I think we should start something here, Scott Pollard, where I'm going to continue to pepper you with Zach Eady stats (laughs) to the point where you and I are just going to have to hop in the car one night and make the pilgrimage to Mackey so you can watch in person and study someone who uh, is attempting to do what you did a couple decades ago. What do you think about that? I'm in. I'd, I'd like to watch his development. I've, I've, you know, loosely watched it over the years, but uh, I would like to see him in person for sure. Here's what I'll start with you on that front because I got to hook you with my best stuff early. Zach Eady, Scott Pollard. We're now 15 games, 16 games into the season. Zach Eady has more blocks than personal fouls. That's the part that I find incredible. He stays out of foul trouble. And it's, I get the game is a little different than when I played, uh, even the college game, but it's incredible that that there isn't still, and there is in every referee's mind when, when a little guy runs into a big guy, big guy gets fouled (laughs) nine times out of 10. It's just, it's human nature. Referees see it. You bounce off a tree. It's the tree's fault. And so the fact that that is true, that that is an actual stat, (laughs) that he has more blocks than fouls is a incredible that he's that good of a shot blocker but b incredible that he's that good at avoiding contact and staying it's like a sixth sense and and on the one hand yeah just standing there and not moving and being seven four with your arms up that's enough (laughs) that's enough for 99 maybe 100 percent of all college players that's enough to just stay in there and do not move don't don't worry about it zach zach just stand there with your arms up do not move and just make them shoot over you because that is a, that that's enough to alter most shots without even blocking them. But it's still incredible that people don't run into him when he's not moving, right? And fall down, draw it, and he gets the foul. Two fouls a game. It's crazy. Two fouls a game. I was for... the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to go to the Scott Pollard School of Hacks uh, of Hackashack. I did. I I taught that school Hackashack. No cheap ones, right? Uh, no. No cheap ones. If you're going to get him, make him miss. <laughs> Eric Bieniemy interviewed for the Colts head coaching opening. The Chiefs offensive coordinator, Jimmy Cook, very intrigued to hear your thoughts on this. This was sneaky one. Most of the national reporters have had a pulse on pretty much anyone who's interviewing anywhere. As you see now, each team will put out its tweet, interview completed with Ben Johnson it's it's a uh, way to get clicks, I guess. I don't know. I, uh-huh. I, it's nice for us because now we can mark down, okay, here's who's actually talked. We can get a better timeline. Here's your Colts timeline of interviews this week. Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator, Wednesday. Ejero Averro, Broncos defensive coordinator, was yesterday early. And then Jim Ursay let the cat out of the bag last night very quietly. Hey, we're, we just talked with Eric Bieniemy. Do you know how many NFL teams Eric Bieniemy has interviewed with over the past four hiring cycles? I don't know, but I heard that this one, this year, he's he's already interviewed with half of the NFL. You are on the right path, not this year. That oh. is over the past four years. Oh, okay. 
And as I'm going through my notes, because I don't want to botch this number, it is absolutely well, I read it on the astonishing. Internet, so I thought it had to be true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he is now interviewed. Fast forward hiring, hiring cycle. 16 different positions, twice with the Jets. But 15 different teams. It's half the league. Twice with the Jets. Cincinnati, Miami, Tampa Bay, New York, Carolina, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Houston, the Los Angeles Chargers, Atlanta, Detroit, New Orleans, and Denver. That is remarkable. Well, it's remarkable because nobody hired him. Like, why, why is he so desirable then if nobody's taking him? Because he's an Andy Reid product. That's yeah. why. Well, but and that, that's, that's, why, that's why he's always going to have interest in because Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, that's, that's what Tony Dungy has gone on the record and said. Sometimes, in some ways, the success goes to those two men and that's it. My question is... What do you think Colts fans feel about this opportunity? You're going to have to pick a young quarterback and make that player the best possible player you can make him. To me, going with a defensive hire isn't the play here. And I think Biennemi, as much as people will trash how he's never been the guy, he's been right there with Patrick Mahomes. He was the running backs coach up until 17. Mahomes got one start against Denver. It was a meaningless game. They were already going to the playoffs. Couldn't improve their seed. He watched Mahomes go out there, game-winning drive against a decent Denver team. The very next offseason, they ship Alex Smith to Washington. There was no secret amongst really the backup players who had caught Mahomes' balls all throughout practice that season Mahomes was has has arrived and now the enemy that year was promoted offensive coordinator he's been right there to the best player on earth how much how much is this crazy you know like Jim Ursay likes going out of the box if Jim Harbaugh is not leaving Michigan if Sean Payton's waiting on Los Angeles or, De- or, or Dallas I think Eric Bietemi's name would be very intriguing to an owner like Jim Irsay. I can't argue that, but I'm the, one of those guys that's like, what has he done on his own? You want to know. Is he a good coach because of Patrick Mahomes? Just like you know, Greg Popovich says, I was a great coach when I was coaching Tim Duncan. And, and you know, yes, that's true. We're, are they doing great right now? He's the same coach. Are they dragging NBA championships out of San Antonio right now? No, they are not. So – you're as good as a coach as who you're coaching in pro sports. That is a fact. So I can't get really excited about this guy when he is the Phil Jackson, but he's not even been the head coach. He's a benefactor of coaching one of the greatest NFL players that's ever played the game. Mm-hmm. And so I, I dropped Phil Jackson's name. Same thing. He only coached the greatest players of my generation. He didn't take a no-name group of kids to the playoffs and win a championship with him. He didn't, not once. He only coached Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal. That's it. When they were done, he was done. <laughs> so Zen master, yeah. out. Oh, he's the out. Zen master, all right. Montana, well, let's I, go. I, there, you know, and Del Harris didn't do it with the Lakers. I get it. I know he had Shaq and Kobe mm-hmm. and, and Phil coached them to a championship after Del Harris was Shout out Hoosier State legend, Del Harris. still, he just got his Hall of Fame bid, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Congrats, Del. Um, but that's where I'm going with this. Is it a sexy name, name Bianami? Yes, absolutely. But why? Jimmy is, Cook. Is a product that, of, his, that, of that, Patrick Mahomes. That's where Jimmy Cook enters this chat. Jimmy Cook, Eric Bianami does not call the plays. 
I believe there have been stints where Reed has given him some play calling duties. Yes. Yep. So it's been the question for four hiring cycles. The question hasn't changed. Andy Reed said it two weeks ago. I've said it a million times. I believe in this guy. He's going to get that opportunity. What's your pulse on this, Jimmy? The fact that he's been passed on. I mean, there's a whole different. We, we talk about for hours regarding how NFL teams conduct their coaching searches. But for every John Harbaugh and Sean McDermott that have been coaching tree pieces from Andy Reid, the most recent one that comes to mind is Matt Nagy. And that didn't go great because they didn't have the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I didn't follow the Bears closely enough to say, like, did he have the locker room, all that? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have the quarterback, to Scott's point, And it didn't work out. But... To your point, Charlie, he's studied under Andy Reid now for five, six seasons involved as the OC. Andy Reid, in my opinion, is the brightest offensive mind in the game. As long as this isn't the same quarterback that was under center this year, as long as it's a new face, an electric oh, face it will quarterback, be. which it will we all be. think it will be. That's a given. I like the enemy higher because of the creativity and the different play sets that would come from Andy Reid's mind and Bienemy's twist that could guide this team where they want to go. I'm not mad about that. But if it is they miss and it's Trubisky, I don't see it going any different than Matt Nagy. I well, don't. conspiracy don't. time. Does, <laughs> Jeff, does Jeff Saturday have a connection to Bienemy? Not that I know of. Bienemy played. Like, do they play poker together? And we don't know about it. <laughs> I saw him down at. And burn last night. The enemy becomes a cigar the, apiece. The offensive and then another cigar for, apiece. For head coach Jeff Saturday. Well, <laughs> I guess. So, don't put that conspiracy to bed. I'm sorry, Colts. I'm not leaving Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to come with Jeff Saturday in the Colts. So, no, I don't think that's it what happens. It is Friday the 13th. <laughs> Scott's laugh. Can we get a cut of that just to replay? We're going to need that for future use here. Um, the enemy. Third place in the Heisman back in 1990, national champion with the Buffaloes, jumped in, running back, running back coach. You talk about being around greatness. He was with AP in Minneapolis when AP, we're talking primetime years, okay, comes to the Chiefs, um, and as we've walked through, has become Andy Reid's right-hand guy. So he checks the other box of, okay, can he relate to the players? Has he done it? We've... Mapped out a few other player players here in terms of these candidates. Ben Johnson being one with the Lions who may be in there today. Got to confirm that with you. A few of these players have never really played at all. College, pro. That was a big reason Jeff Saturday wound up here in the middle of the season, wasn't it? Because Absolutely. of, hey, the brand. He's done it. He knows what it takes. The enemy played in the National Football League for eight years. He he, he racked it, up he some yards. Levels. So you can't take that check mark against him. It's going to be interesting. And a name that, again, it was odd that all of these other names have surfaced and Bietemi flew under the radar and Jim Irsay was the one to release that info. Chris Ballard and Bietemi were in Kansas City together for three or four years. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, Again, Butler, Villanova, Purdue, Nebraska, Pacers, Hawks. That's all tonight. Then you clear out for football tomorrow. Plus, 
IU in Wisconsin tomorrow afternoon, 1 o'clock Assembly Hall. We have a loaded show for you. Last night, Assembly Hall was rocking, and you know it's not for the men's team because they aren't beating anyone right now. (laughs) Sydney Parrish, Hamilton Southeastern, former Miss Basketball in Indiana. She went to Oregon first, um, and now she's back home leading this Hoosiers team, which is ranked inside the top 10 in the country. Sydney Parrish from Hamilton Southeastern joins us at 12.30. Kevin Warren is out as the Big Ten commissioner. There are rumblings about who his replacement may be. He went over to be the president and CEO of the Chicago Bears. Mike DeCourcy of the Big Ten Network. No one is closer to the inner workings of the Big Ten Conference than Mike DeCourcy. Mike's going to join us at 1.30, and then Kevin Bowen will... Hop on at 2 o'clock. You listened to Kevin and Jake this morning. A great rundown of where things sit at the Colts complex. Uh, On weeks like this, things change by the hour. So Kevin's take at 2 o'clock on what's happening with the Colts. Scott Pollard, I texted all three of us last night saying, I've found the next Scott Pollard in the great woods of the Northwest. I actually had this uh, here earlier. Bigfoot? Jimmy, do I have time to bring this in now, or would you like to take a 30-second timeout before Sydney joins us? Let's pocket it for, for 1245. Everyone, all I want you to know is this. There is a creature that looks and walks and dunks like Scott Pollard, but he can shoot threes too, and he's from the middle of nowhere in North Dakota, and he very well may be in the NBA next year. We'll get to that story after Sydney Paris joins us from Bloomington, the Hoosiers star, plus the latest on Tyrese Halliburton. Was this a break that the Pacers got yesterday with Halliburton's injury news? That's next on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. There's one basketball team in Bloomington that is falling, and there's one that's going the other way. The Indiana Hoosiers women's hoops team, 15-1, ranked sixth in the country, Assembly Hall, was rocking last night. Matt Schumacher on the call. And this was a team that IU struggled with in the past. Maryland came in ranked ninth in the country. Terry Morin's team with the return of Grace Berger, who was the emotional leader really late last year and into this season, suffered a a knee injury earlier in the year, was able to get back on the floor, contributed with 11 points. But the star last night was former Miss Basketball out of Hamilton Southeastern, Sydney Parrish joining us now on the mower shop from Fisher's Hotline. Sydney, thanks for hopping on just hours after walking out of that scene at Assembly Hall. For everyone who wasn't able to get there, and I know a lot of folks are going to begin to start showing up more and more as this streak continues, what was that arena like last night? Uh, it was so much fun to play, and it was a great environment. Uh, Hoosier Nation really showed out, and I think we're seeing um, more and more fans each game and just a lot of loyal fans out there, and we're just trying to grow the fan base um, the more wins we're getting. Uh, so it was a great environment, and we could definitely hear hear the fans last night. Sydney Parrish, 18 points last night. Team high for the Hoosiers. Big second quarter really got some separation, and IU was able to close it out late. What did Terry Morin tell the team after the win, Sydney? 
Um, you know, she just told us that we won on the defensive end. We knew that our offense would come, but uh, just being able to uh, focus on player personnel and just um, lock our heels into the ground and defend on those final possessions was really what got us that win. Sydney, uh, Scott Pollard here. I went uh, away from home to college. I, I left San Diego and I never went back. Uh, you went out west and you're back home. It was always hard for me to go back to play against like UCLA or San Diego State. Uh, it was <laughs> tough. What, what's it like to be back home? Are you feeling the love or is it just kind of hard to be back in front of your friends and family? Uh, no, I'm feeling the love. It's been great. I'm very, very happy to be back home. Um, I have a lot of friends and family that are, that are at every single game that have never been able to watch me for the last two years. So it's just been amazing. It's a great environment to be in. And even the people that I don't know and just Hoosier Nation really just welcomed me in a great way. And it feels like I've been here my whole college career. Sydney, how many people from HSE were in the house last night? Do you get your own cheering section for every home game? How is it broken down here of late? You know, it, it's different some games. Uh, a lot of my friends from Hamilton Southeastern do come to games. Um, I actually know one of my former teammates that is a coach at Avon High School now. I played with her when I was a freshman. She Excellent. Just me and said, she just texted me and said that she's going to bring their whole team, the Avon High School program, next week to our game. So just people like that that are reaching out um, and just coming to support has been amazing. You have had a streak of double-figure scoring that goes back to legitimately the day after Thanksgiving. You've been on a tear. You show up. You know IU is back on the map. There's no question about that. That's why you made the decision, I'm sure, that this was going to be the right spot. How did you handle not only becoming a piece on the floor, but blending in off the floor as well? Terry Morin had a fantastic quote about Sydney Parrish last night. She said... Don't look at the eyelashes. Don't look at the nails or the hair. This is one of the toughest competitors we have in this locker room. I thought that was just a perfect, a perfect explanation of Sydney Parrish. Uh, yeah, it's been great on and off the court. I mean, the girls were very welcoming. We came in with seven new players this year, so that was kind of one of the worries—not worries, but um, downfalls of the team this year—that we were. Um, concerned about but we just blended in perfect and uh, we get along great on and off the floor and it's just been a great fit for me and for the team and I think it shows on the court how much we care and want to win with each other. Sydney Parrish Sydney Parrish is joining us on the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers themowershop.com for all your snowblowers commercial and residential mowers plus service and power tools. Sydney last year we took a feature on Grace Berger at Wish TV just her journey from knowing she wanted to be an IU basketball player before it was cool to be an IU women's basketball player. She is able to get back on the floor last night. We saw her with the knee brace on. It looked like she moved really well. Your thoughts on having someone like that at this stage in your career and what she's done for you on a personal level since you joined the team? Yeah, um, definitely since day one that I came into this program in the summer, I knew Grace was a competitor, and I knew um, she was just a great leader and a great person on and off the court. And uh, she's just kind of helped me grow my game. And I ask her questions sometimes on the court and what to do and just kind of get her thoughts about things. And she's just a great leader, and I'm excited to see where her career takes her because she's going to be playing basketball for a very long time. Where does this season go from here? You have the Badgers coming in on Sunday, then a trip to Illinois, Michigan, third-ranked Ohio State. Ohio State's playing very impressive ball. You're going to have three straight-ranked teams 
What do you think the biggest challenge will be over the next two weeks, Sydney? Uh, definitely. I mean, it's Big Ten play. I think yeah. kind of just like what you said, every game we're going into could be a Final Four um, playing game. So you just have to bring it every single night and uh, never take a game off. Like, we can't get too high on this one because we have a great Wisconsin team coming in the next few days who just – um, knocked off Michigan State, who we lost to two weeks ago. So we just got to be ready for every single game and uh, just lock in. Again, if you're just joining us on the fan, Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, we're on with IU star guard Sydney Parrish, former Miss Basketball out of Hamilton Southeastern. Sydney, I would like to close with this. Terry Morin has turned around IU to the tune that few coaches have across the country over the past five years. A message to your coach who convinced you it was the right move to come home and it's already paying off. What would you tell coach? Uh, I would tell coach that she has done something with the program that not a lot of coaches have done before. And it's a great environment. And um, she's just done an amazing job recruiting and coaching up these, these teams that have come in in the past. And she's built history, and it's just been an amazing uh, coaching program to play for. And I hope that a lot of players around the state and around the country um, want to come to Indiana basketball and play for Coach Morin because it's the best program you could possibly play for. Sydney, I can guarantee you, Coach Morin, when she listens, she says, like, "Well, Sydney, you don't you don't have to say that. I'm going to thank you. You're a big reason why that's going to be much easier going forward. We're wishing you nothing but the best going forward." We are watching here in Indianapolis and we'll continue to pull for what is one of the best stories in college basketball so far this season. Keep up the great work and good luck against Wisconsin, all right? Thank you. I appreciate it. That is Sydney Parrish, Hamilton Southeastern. We watched her at the high school level. There was very little question about who the best girls player was when she graduated as a senior. And Scott, to your point, it's nice that you go far away from home, it doesn't work out, and to turn around and have an environment like that just an hour and ten from your front door where you grew up, um, pretty lucky. That doesn't happen often. No, I, I, I got recruited by the teams at my in my hometown, UCLA being the bigger one, but there, you know, it was a couple hours north of where I lived, um, so it wasn't really home. But I certainly wanted to go there and stay there. It would have been nice, but I just didn't like the coach at the time, and and it didn't fit for me. Uh, but for her to be able to, especially to go somewhere else and experience a different program and city and state, and then be able to come back, right? That that is very fortunate, and it's she's she's lucky, and and lucky in the sense that she's great at at her game. And that's why she was able to come back. And now they got a great team. It's great to hear from Sydney Parrish. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook with you this afternoon on The Fan. We've spoken about Eric Bieniemy interviewing for the Colts opening defensive coordinator of the Chiefs. We'll continue to probably disagree on how likely that is, but we'll revisit that conversation later this afternoon. What we learned yesterday with the Pacers, Pacers and Hawks tonight pregame, 93-5-107-5, the fans, 6-30 right here. Tyrese Halliburton, it's a left elbow sprain, a mild left knee bone contusion, was MRI'd here yesterday in Indianapolis after the team flew back from New York, awaiting additional opinions on those scans. Not going to hear anything on this story for two weeks. Scott Pollard, when you saw that injury update, what came to your mind? 
I'm old and I'm old school. I I wouldn't have sat out one minute. I wouldn't have left the game with a bone bruise or a tweaked elbow. But, you know, the players are smarter now. Technology's different. Technology's better. They're thinking long term. Um, you, you don't want to have somebody playing through a, a, something that hurts to the point that it becomes injured. And so if, if he's injured uh, at this point and, and they say, hey, it's better to take some time off, then they're playing it safe and they're playing it smart with a big money guy with a big future. So it makes sense in today's game, but in, in my day, uh, he wouldn't have missed a game. Pacers Hawks tonight at seven. Nate McMillan, Scott Pollard. I got paid by both of those organizations. You did. <laughs> checks. Did you save any of your old checks ever? Was there anything that you're no, like, we this still is had direct so deposit cool. in the Stone Ages? I wow. Mean, <laughs> I didn't Wait, get checks mailed I to thought, my house with all those zeros 74? on them. Was this 74? Wait, what? <laughs> with all those that, zeros on them, I didn't want them getting mailed to me. I, they went They went straight to the bank. Can't trust the postman with no, that. No, Sorry. No. What was it like when movies were a nickel, Scott? back, <laughs> Horse and buggy to... Well, let me tell you, after the Hootenanny, we used to go and like to watch the moving picture films. <laughs> this is a perfect segue. Do you know George Mikan, 70 years ago today, was the MVP of the NBA's third All-Star game. That game was played in this state. Do you know what city that game was played in? Again, this would have been 1953. Evansville. Third NBA All-Star game. Fort Wayne. Correct. 70 years ago this afternoon, we would have been sitting uh, to what Scott Pollard maybe just walked out of a nice a nice feature film. Moving, talking about the moving picture films. Talking about uh, taking the whatever, however you would get to Fort Wayne from here. The buggy. To watch the buggy. <laughs> 53, not 33. Well, they still had horses on the roads then. <laughs> Very confused about the evolution of transportation. So I'm kind of talk this through with me. But 70 years ago today, we would have been uh, probably buying a 12 pack and going to watch George Mikan be the of the uh, Minneapolis Lakers get the third ever all-star game mvp award the first in big fort man. wayne he was like the first big man i used to do his drill do people still do mike and drills i teach my kids when i'm coaching them to do it essential right yeah develop that left hand everybody needs to do that everybody needs to be able to use both hands around the basket yes amen charlie clifford scott pollard jimmy cook um we'll see what the story is with miles turner's back spasms aaron neesmith's illness uh O'Shea Brissett also missed that Knicks loss so some key pieces that are also in question tonight it looks like Trey Young's gonna play he was sick Wednesday in uh Milwaukee they lost to the Bucks and Scott uh Trey Young and Nate McMillan it, it looks like it's it's a little better than it was in early December there was an incident a disagreement at a shoot around in which Trey Young wasn't going to play that night either way, but that disagreement led to Trey Young straight up not showing up to the game. Nate McMillan was not happy that that story got out, that it was something from earlier in the day. And Yeah, the locker room stuff needs to stay in the locker room. And him him making a public event out of it by not showing up, that's that's not professional. Point blank, no, no exceptions. Nope. So this story continued further with Shams at The Athletic saying, look, sources inside the organization, again, this was a few weeks ago now, saying Nate McMillan considering retiring. That's how 
tough it's been behind the scenes for a well-traveled coach who has been hard-nosed defensive mind since day one, his playing days in Seattle. And Nate McMillan came out and said, I've never talked to that reporter. That is not on the table. My goal and my job, according to my boss, a.k.a. the owner of this team, has been get this team to the playoffs. And that's what we're doing. And I'm leaving it at that. Enough of this. And look, this team has lost three front office members in the last three weeks. Three people got fired. Another one, the president of basketball ops, stepped down. So Landry Fields, former Nick, GM, now running the show. Basically, he's had two weeks with he's in charge of everything. Word is they're bringing in Kyle Korver as assistant GM. Really? Yeah. Hawks legend. Yeah. Um, dysfunction here. They sent three first-round picks to San Antonio for DeJounte Murray to form this little big three, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, John Collins. They're two games under five hundred. Despite all that. Despite all that. Bet on the short term, and now the front office is essentially gone. Nate McMillan, it looks like he's he's going to have yeoman's work to get this team into the playoffs, and Trey Young doesn't consi- like him. Yeah, which is probably why he's saying he's considering retiring. <laughs> <laughs> that's a young coach job right there. You rebuilding and the front office is in shambles. Uh, everything with your relationship with your best player is bad. Yeah, that's hard to, to say. I'm excited to go into work today and, and coach these guys <laughs> and try to get to the playoffs. Seems fun. I got to work with the guy with the most least hair. Did you ever have a situation, Scott, where I just feel bad for our coach? He's just everyone's being a jerk to him. This is. This is unwinnable in his situation, whether he wins or he doesn't. I was fortunate that I always played for playoff teams except my rookie year. Detroit. Yep. High school, college, and and the NBA. My rookie year Hmm. was the only year I didn't play in the postseason. So That's wild. I was very fortunate to not be in a situation where everybody hated the coach, except my (laughs) rookie year, which was Doug Collins, uh, the coach of the Pistons at the time. Great commentator. Uh, And I like him as a person. Yeah. Hated playing for him. Didn't like playing for him. He challenged my manhood, which I was like, uh, I'm already a man. <laughs> I'm not a one-and-done rookie. I'm a 23-, 4-year-old rookie. I don't need you to say this and that to get me motivated. I'm already motivated. I'm the fastest guy you have on this team besides <laughs> Lindsey Lindsay Hunter and Grant Hill. Really? <laughs> like, when you I go was, up and down, you'd be third? We were running like long distance around the court and sprints. Was I, it an Olympic summer? Were you guys in, training for I, yeah. the backup I was relay in, team? I was in college shape. I wasn't in NBA shape. January hit, and I hit a wall. But anyway, he got fired halfway through the year. Doug Collins gets fired halfway through the year. Alvin Gentry, the official interim coach of the NBA. <laughs> and I didn't realize it dated back that far. And yes. That's incredible. Yeah, he was a Jayhawk. He was a coach in Kansas back in the day for Larry Brown, with Larry Brown. And so uh, Alvin and us, we had a, I had a great relationship with him, but things turned around. And, and that was the job of a young Alvin Gentry to take a team that was pretty dysfunctional. Coach just got fired. But – the front office wasn't also in shambles. Mm-hmm. Like that's a tough job as a head coach. You come in, it's like, who's the GM? Who's the assistant <laughs> GM? Who's basketball ops? Why don't we have a ball boy? Uh, is there is there somebody going to be making some decisions before the trade deadline? And oh, by the way, my best player that the franchise has put all their faith in hates me. Mm. That's a tough gig right now for Nate McMillan. I'm with you. And John Collins has been the name in trade discussions. The Pacers earlier were. A team that probably from the outside, people were saying, hey, they are going from sellers to buyers. They have a slot at the four that's technically unspoken for to some degree right now. Maybe that would make sense. 
Will Tyrese Halliburton, again, if you're just joining us on the fan, the news as of yesterday, two weeks for Halliburton to be reevaluated. It's a tough stretch. A lot of teams at or above 500 over the next six for the Pacers. Will that change how they address the looming Miles Turner question and other stories ahead of the trade deadline? Scott Pollard, Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook, when we re- return, Purdue and Nebraska, will this be just as enticing as it was in Lincoln a few weeks ago? And can you believe the Butler Bulldogs are a home favorite against Villanova? We will tell you why. It has been very rough in the early going for the Wildcats without Jay Wright. Those stories next on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's always a splendid afternoon with the keys on the air, courtesy of Jimmy Cook. Scott Pollard's here, Charlie Clifford of Wish TV. These are your updates for Wild Card Weekend. Skylar Thompson, it's official. He is tasked with bringing the Miami Dolphins into Buffalo with the momentum of everything that is fantastic about life and humanity that is transpiring in the great city of Buffalo right now and around the country with this DeMar Hamlin story. Dolphins. Bills, Skylar Thompson, Josh Allen, everybody in Miami, have a great year. And now the decision begins, is Tua Tunga-Vailoa, A, is he healthy enough to continue on as a quarterback? And B, is he a better option than if Tom Brady picks up the phone after the Buccaneers are eliminated and says... I'm a free agent, and I'm coming your way. Make room for me. Stay tuned on that story. Mike Williams, star wide receiver for the Chargers, a back injury that looks like would keep him out unless the Chargers somehow made the Super Bowl. Terrible news for Justin Herbert. That was just in via Adam Schefter. The Chargers offense, which has been so hot to close the season, now a man down. Lamar Jackson, not going to be on the field. In Cincinnati on Sunday night, the Bengals, the clear favorite against rival Baltimore, although that is a run-it-back game. Those two just played this past week. Will that factor into things? And then an underrated one out west, excuse me. Scott Pollard, when I went out and saw the Niners Stadium, A, Levi Stadium is in Santa Clara, maybe the best outdoor venue new in the NFL. It's incredible. Those two teams hate each other Seahawks fans and Niner fans the Raiders are no longer there yeah that is now the rivalry out west no my yeah but my hesitation isn't from the fact that they probably do hate each other it's just the image of Seattle and San Francisco hating each other that really makes me giggle <laughs> because they're two of like the sweetest cities that are just they have this reputation of being welcoming and everybody's okay and everything's fine and we love every single human and so when you hear Seattle San Francisco headline news it's a rivalry ladies and gentlemen <laughs> I kind of snicker I snicker I giggle. I titter. It doesn't pack the punch of Philly against New York where you're literally coming out to your tires slashed. One of your buddies is going to get a black eye at the game. Uh, Oakland had the first real jail in the stadium in the NFL. (laughs) They really literally in Oakland Stadium had a jail 
for the fans that were rowdy that that used to beat people up and then get beat up whatever literally had a jail in the oakland stadium so again excuse me while i say this is the coliseum we're speaking on yes Yes. oakland oakland coliseum excuse me while i giggle at (laughs) levi stadium the host of the niners and here come the seahawks from the northwest I'm just saying. And there's a little REO speed wagon playing over the... No, <laughs> you're a, right. Little you're river right. bands playing in the background. Let's fight, guys. Let's go. Bench clearing brawl. Two of the nicest cities in this country. Yellow Ledbetter rips, says Eddie Vedder. It's like that Anchorman battle, you know, and the Anchorman, the different group news stations. No touching of the hair or face Got in that battle. Yeah, yeah, guys, like, like, oh, of course. Brick no killed the, the guy. Face. Yeah. Brick, you're going to lay low. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be back with Veronica Corningstone. <laughs> Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, Charlie Clifford. This is the fan. It's Friday, Indianapolis. We've got hoops tonight. More hoops tomorrow. Football all weekend. Yes, the Colts coaching search continues. We'll give you the new names that are in the mix. And we will get to college basketball as Butler and Purdue both try to protect their home courts tonight. Join us next right here on the fan. We aren't going anywhere. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yes, indeed. Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook, Scott Pollard. We're in the drive Spice.com studios. It was a slushy, gloomy Friday afternoon. I think all of you at this point on a Friday are... I don't care if it's a hailstorm. It's Friday, New Year. I just worked out like seven times in three days. Worked out four times all of last year. I hope everyone's off to a fantastic start. Scott, have you challenged your way yourself in any form or fashion in 2023 out of the gate here? Do you have anything to share? My New Year's resolutions are are always the same one. Don't die. Wow. Even back when I when I was young. People were like, what are your New Year's resolutions, Scott? I will tell you, I don't want to die. Survive in advance. I am having a great time. <laughs> parties I don't parties just getting started, this Scott. Come on. This is great. You can't go anywhere on us. I'm not going anywhere. Are you listening? <laughs> you got that straight? It was snowing when I woke up this morning. Yeah. And I didn't know that. It was planned. And as I drove down the 465, it stopped. <laughs> I get downtown and it's just cloudy and gloomy in the, in the city of Indianapolis. I was like, huh, didn't know weather changed that quickly yeah. in this here state. Well, come hang out with us city folk more often. It's kind of okay? flat in this state. I didn't think that the weather could change that dra- dramatically. It was like I drove out of the mountains into the valley that is Denver, Colorado. <laughs> the Rockies, Lloyd, California. I thought Whew. they would be a lot rockier. Scott Pollard, it's been so fun. The last two days, we've had a Colts coaching search to go through. We've already debated how likely Eric Bieniemy is to end up here. The Chiefs offensive coordinator who interviewed last night. It looked like Raheem Morris, uh, char- or, excuse me, Rams defensive coordinator, was doing today. We'll continue to monitor. Uh, maybe we'll get the official note that that interview has concluded. Before we get to college basketball, Pacers injury, Tyrese Halbert in two weeks. The team's over 500. It's going to be a tough stretch going forward. Let's say they struggle over the next couple weeks and this Halbert injury becomes more than a couple weeks. Would that change your stance? Yesterday, we agreed, one of the few things we do agree on, that Miles Turner should not be dealt. 
Would you be willing, Jimmy Cook or Scott Pollard, to revisit that if something really goes south here in the next three weeks? Uh, with with Miles, I first of all, I want to say he should not be traded um, under any circumstances because of what they've got going chemistry-wise, and he's been such a big part of that. As, as now a veteran on this team, he's been here his whole career, and, and you cannot discount the fact that even if you don't like his offensive production or consistency or anything else about his game – you, that's fine. You can have that opinion. But the fact is, he is part of what's going on right now, and everything's going very well. Undebatable. I don't know why you you, you would upset that cart. You, you, come, you, you trade him away to get somebody else that you think is going to help this team with talent, uh, and all of a sudden it's like they're not a locker room guy. And then everything you built this quickly this year is gone. Major vacancy there. It's gone. And so He's out. Does it change my mind if – to, if they go on a just a losing streak because Halliburton's out, no, it doesn't because it's he's still there and he's still going to be in the locker room helping guys through it because he's been part of losing teams before. Mm-hmm. He's been a part of, of really oh. messed up situations. Oh, he knows. And so he knows better than anybody else in this franchise, on the floor anyway, any, on the, in the jerseys, that, hey, it's going to be okay. We'll get this right. And so that's a, that, to me, if everything goes south, that's even more reason to keep him. That's a, that's like that's piling on top of the reason right. to keep him on this roster is if things go badly with Halliburton out of the lineup for a while. That's an interesting lens because the knee jerk reaction would be okay. You had your fun, you got the fan base back invested. It's not going to change the long term trajectory if people care or not. You have Halliburton, you have Matherin, you have these other pieces that have glued together. But to your point. You're the one who's been in the locker room, and you know how quickly something that looks so nice and put together and joyous on the outside, you remove one little log there, and boom, Jenga things on the on the dance floor, and you're, and you're wishing, back. oh gosh, we got a 26th overall pick and a bench player. Shouldn't have done this. Yeah, and then you got a guy in the summer, the GM, Pritchard, is sitting there going, well, now what other pieces do we need? Now we're rebuilding because we took out that one Jenga piece. Nice analogy. And it's and Friday and we've lost our chemistry. We've lost our, our locker room presence and, and we're sitting here going, ah, crap. Jimmy Cook, do you push back on this at all? Not really, because I don't disagree with anything you guys said in regards to there's no reason to trade miles. Team chemistry appears to be high. Scott's spoken to that from the locker room aspect of things. My only fear, and I think this is the fear of Pacers fans, and I think Last update I saw, talks are still fluid between Miles' agency and the Pacers in terms of trying to get an extension done. Surely. If there's any indication, though, March 1st is the extension deadline, trade deadlines, I think February 9th. If there's any indication that he is not willing to sign long term here, he's 26, he's at the height of his career. Stock will never be higher. My fear is letting him walk for nothing, which is why if he'll get traded. If so, he doesn't sign. So, that, so that, that's that's my caveat is my only pushback is if he's not going to extend, you trade him before the deadline. You don't Absolutely. think twice about it. So for the Absolutely. listeners, we need to clarify a few things here because now this is a different conversation. So, Scott, if the extension behind closed doors does not appear to be anywhere within reach, you're saying then this is a completely different conversation 
Again, we don't have much time here. We're talking a, right. we're talking a few weeks here. Yeah, but that's the business side of it. We were talking emotional and wins and fan base and and the emo- the, the fun side of it, the basketball side of it. Mm-hmm. But then you were talking about the business side of it, and that's a completely different thing. And and yes, that's absolutely realistic. They're not going to let one of their most valuable assets just walk out the door right. this summer. So how do you signs, how do you gauge it though? Gone. If because Miles Turner is not Paul George, he's been the opposite of someone who's I think remained a friend and. You know, they they really chopped it up when the Lakers, the Clippers came in here and Miles really outshined Paul in the final few minutes of that game. George still dropped 45. That was one of the most entertaining games of the year. And the field house was just rocking. Miles Turner has done the opposite of Victor Oladipo and Paul George to the sense of he has stayed through the tough times. He has taken the high road many a time when it would have been much easier to make it known get me out of here. I'm a big man who can shoot right around 40% from three and protect the rim. Of course, I'm favorable in other markets. And if it's gone this long and you don't have a firm no from him, it's Kevin Pritchard as Chad Buchanan. Don't, don't you believe in your abilities to do, you know what? Let's go get in the playoffs, maybe steal a series. We're going to have enough bargaining power to convince Miles Turner to stay here. We're going to believe in our abilities as negotiators. If he stayed here this long, you know, let's see this through and let's put the pressure on us. And if we don't get him, then everyone can dump it, put it on my shoulders. I think that has to be a conversation too. And certainly Rick Carlisle, he said it in New York after the loss, the back spasms. Is there a trade going on, Rick? What's going on? Twitter was a buzz. He came out and just said, look, sorry, Twitter. We're not trading Miles Turner. And I will say it again. I have zero interest in trading Miles Turner. I wonder how loud Carlisle's voice rings, Scott. If they continue to win, will he be able to convince Kevin Pritchard to stay put? Because well, that's going to happen in the next three weeks. That conversation yeah is ongoing that that does all factor in all of it except for the letting it go to the free market this summer letting miles go to the free market this summer and just oh i believe in my negotiating skills to be able to talk him into staying here um you can never discount the market value of a free agent you can never think that you're going to be able to outbid them, especially in a small market like the Indiana Pacers. They've never outbid anybody for anybody. So they're DeAndre not, Ayton almost. They're not going to <laughs> bit of a different yeah, strategy there. But they're not going to let him go to the free market and then have to match anybody else's offer or beat it to keep him here. It's the smart move financially to lock him up now. And if he wants to stay, that's what he's going to do. Surely. And I hope he wants to stay. And, and you mentioned it, and that's a great point. Small market teams are at the biggest disadvantage, not because of the, the their inability to pay. They can they can pay the same amount as everybody yeah, else. Cap's the same. But the problem is getting a superstar that wants to stay in the small market. That's the problem. You have to get a Tim Duncan. You have to get an Antento Kupo. And I butchered his name, and I always will. It's pretty good. Uh, but the Greek freak that mm-hmm. wants to stay in a small market that's willing to stay, like a Reggie Miller did here for his entire career, all four decades of it. It's hard to get a superstar. We all know this as Pacers fans. You've seen it. You've seen them all bolt as soon as they get it. The, oh, yeah, Victor Oladipo's from here. He's going to stay. No, he's not. He's gone. 
So that's the part that if you've got a guy like Miles Turner, he's not a superstar, mm-hmm. but he's been here and he wants to stay here. If he wants to stay here, You're there saying is something if, to that. If he wants to stay here, Miles Turner, I love you. I need that answer in the next three weeks. And to his point, he's worked his tail off. He's having a career year. He is he has earned the right to say, you know what, I love it here too, but I owe it to myself to test the open market. You aren't gonna I mean, unless you blow him away with a contract that he knows and his agent knows this will be if not the best you get, this will be right there. If you want it, take it now. This is this you wonder is what's been offered. This is absolutely yeah. gonna be the highest contract he ever gets. Right. He's not going to go like exponentially better from this point forward in his career. So, yes, as a player, if I'm, you going, stay, I'm going to this summer. If you stay, I'm going to the free market. You have one of the top three young point guards in the NBA for the long haul. That's a reminder to Miles Turner, who's been uh, who's been putting it all together on both ends of the floor, and you know he he has won over Rick Carlisle without any question. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. We've run through Wild Card Weekend, Seattle Niners, Chargers, Jags. That's Saturday. Jimmy's fired up about the Jags. Miami Buffalo, Tamar Hamlin. We love you. We're hoping uh, at some point if Buffalo continues its run, you walking out onto that field. We're, we can't wait. Baltimore, Cincinnati, Dallas, Tampa Bay. That's the Monday night. Remember, there's a Monday nighter with the Cowboys and Bucks. College hoops right now. A quick college note to sneak in before we go to basketball. Taven Jackson, brother of Trace Jackson Davis, younger brother, Center Grove State Champion, announcing he is hitting the transfer portal. One year at Tennessee was enough, and it's time to find a new home for who was one of the uh, most electrifying quarterbacks here on the the Friday nights on the zone over at the Wish uh, just two years ago? Do we but, have time to talk about the transfer portal? Can I go off on a tangent or not right now? Not right now. All right. We're going to get there. We're, I promise you we're going to get there. Purdue takes precedence, Scott, since the start of, of last do. year. The Boilermakers. Since the start of last season, can you name the only team in America – Purdue and Nebraska tonight at Mackey. Purdue a 14.5-point favorite. The only team since the start of last year that's been ranked inside the top five for a longer period of time than Matt Painter's Boilermakers. There's one team. I I would guess Kansas. Houston. Good one, no. Bonus guess for each of you. It's a West Coast team that has made many a deep run. The Zags are the only team in America since the start of last season to be ranked inside the top five more than Purdue. That's how consistent the Boilers have been. You know why they get such high rankings? I will tell you why they get such high rankings, because there's nobody else in the time zone that's even a decent basketball team. So they have to give somebody, they have to throw a bone to the West Coast, like, hey, somebody from out there has to get ranked. It's Zaga. Let's give it to them, because UCLA is a train wreck all the time. So is USC. Wait a second. Mick Cronin's... Totally steadied the ship at UCLA. Let's see them play a good team. They were in the national semifinal two years ago here. Two years ago. Johnny Juzak, Jimmy Cook, the dude who wears the Juzang, he still wears the headband. He's still there. I saw his graphic on a Fox Sports 1 promo. I was stunned. I thought that guy was done 
two years ago, we saw them out west in Portland. IU got rolled by St. Mary's. They were the late game. I think they snuck by. I forget who it was out of the MAC. Maybe it was Akron. Mick Cronin is so fun to watch on the sideline. He uh, he is a pit bull, Scott. Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkins are both there. So yeah, key Tiger. contributors from that Final Four running right. team are still there. Yeah, impressive. Good Guys, for them. Back right. to Purdue. Forty-four and nine since the start of last year. That's eight wins more than any Big Ten program. It it's been that sizable of a gap. Scott, are you are you under belief that? This is the team to beat in the Big Ten. They have one loss. It was to Rutgers at home. Doesn't look like loss number two will be coming here. To me, the Big Ten's been a bit underwhelming this year, and they have the best player. Yeah. Uh, I can't see anybody knocking them off uh, uh, unless something within their program happens drastically changing their fortunes. Yes. Um, So, yeah. Purdue's the Purdue's the winner for the, for the Big Ten. Pack it up. Uh, they're a shoe in. <laughs> what, what Juwan Howard gonna get right that ship? I mean, that's been a train wreck. Here's the top five right Michigan now. Michigan State's Big Ten. having an off year. Michigan State's four and one. They've won seven in a row. Scarlet Knights of Rutgers are they're four the and surprise. Two. They're scrapping. They're they're beating teams. Ten and two at the rack. Northwestern three and two. Wisconsin three and two. Michigan three and two. Wisconsin's gonna fade. Watch. There is two ranked teams this week in the Big Ten in the top 25. If Wisconsin stays ranked after the next two weeks, I'll eat my hat. Because you watched that's them an the old, other night. That's an old phrase from when I played with George Mikan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll eat my hat. I after the it, nanny, I took a buggy over to the moving picture show. The 53 All-Star game was... <laughs> whew, you had to be there, let me tell you. My car had wheels and an engine. Ha-ha! <laughs> see? I got there in record time. See? <laughs> So Scott missed his his time period, Jimmy. <laughs> a couple generations late. We're thrilled to have you, though, Scott. Uh, Two teams ranked in the top twenty-five. Is this repercussions, Jimmy and Scott, of years now of Big Ten teams falling on their faces in the NCAA tournament? Is human nature setting in where voters are like, "I'm sorry, I don't even care if they look good. I I cannot believe that they're good anymore." I in terms yeah. of putting six teams in the top 25, or is this the talent just bad? I mean, I, is well, it but both? the top 25, like, and I'm not saying Lenardi does, but I just double checked it. Like, bracketologists don't reflect the Big Ten as bad as it is right now. The AP top 25 does. They're the leading team in terms of bids right now. I'm glad you shared that. From Lenardi and from uh, uh, Jerry Palm. Again, I'd take bracketologists for what you want. They're not always right, but like, normally they it, are. It's not perceived, at least in terms of that realm of thinking, that. The Big Ten's having a bad year, but in terms of top to bottom, getting a top tier ranking, yes, that is accurate. There's not a ton of top 25 action for the Big Ten this year, but they're still the leading conference with 10 bids as it stands right now uh, off of some bracketologists. And we aren't lunatics. We watched a Penn State team two nights ago that I thought, wow, if you run into that performance in March, you're going to lose. Two guys each hit seven threes, play nice pressure defense. Again, I'm not saying they're good contenders. Team. I'm just saying yeah. like the, the idea of the conference is they've had their struggles in the tournament over the last couple of years. That's well documented. I have paid the price. Both of my brackets are still posted above my office desk at my, my desk. I should say at wish TV. I had one sweet 16 team. I think each. Why do you two. keep them? That's a memory of failed decision. I get hazed. You got to move forward. I get hazed. You got to think forward. Today is today. It's not last year's bracket. 
Big Ten bias has cost many, including myself. Wow. You need one of my motivational speeches. I'll <laughs> give you one after the show today. Along with the transfer portal. I'll tell you what it's like living in a van down by the river. We have Matt Foley in studio. Every day is to be absorbed and learned from. Zen. Mm-hmm. That was good last night, Scott. Yeah. Enjoyed our little group chat behind the scenes here. For all of those of you listening, Charlie Clifford, Wish TV, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, we've we've become a band of renegades here over the past two days. Yeah, Charlie and the old man. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a good folk album cover. Uh, back to Purdue. Uh, Nebraska's 9-8, and 2-4. and four. Again, I was a little baffled by this line. This was a three-point overtime game a few weeks ago, and Purdue's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite at home. The secret's out at how tough it is to play at Mackey Arena, That's a great home court advantage. Uh, I'm not going to go into the greatest home court advantage in college basketball because we all know that's Kansas, but uh, Purdue has quite a home court, and you you mentioned it earlier in the show today. I I, I do want to go see a a game there. I want to watch Zach in person, Uh, but 14-point, that's yeah, that's a big one. That's a big switch from a, from the same game that was overtime two weeks ago or whenever it was. Purdue shot the ball over the past five halves. The three-point shooting has gone up 14 percentage points. They're right around 45%. It is incredible the dichotomy of IU's last five halves have been some of the most frustrating basketball you've watched under Mike Woodson. And then Purdue's last five halves, it's turned back into, okay, this team has an undefendable big man, and a bunch of guys that can shoot. Look out. Butler tonight, Villanova. Jay Wright left, Scott and Jimmy, and Nova is now 8-9, and 2-4 in the conference. They just lost to DePaul earlier this week. Can you guess how many games Villanova had won consecutively against DePaul before their loss earlier this week? I saw this number, and it's astonishing. That's my hint. Big East ball, you know, conference is still kind of new with things have been jumbling around. So it's not like a number like 50, but 22 it is 22 consecutive I promise games. I, you can look at the screen. I, Nathan, Nathan can back me up. I didn't look. I promise. I'm going to guess 22. <laughs> nice. Did I get it right? You have a winning right. ticket. Come on down. Claim your prize. 22 straight. Nova, now that streak is over. They lost earlier this year to Portland. They lost to Temple. Butler, it's very simple right now. If the Bulldogs score 70 points, they win. If they don't, they lose. 10-0 when scoring 70 or more. 0-8 when not cracking 70. Scott, is scoring 70 points in college right now, Is that should that be hard? That's pathetic. That's, that's... You know what? We had thought Thad Mata on earlier this week. He'd probably say, Scott, you're right. I mean, we should That's be less than a basket a minute. A two-point basket per minute. That's that's less than that. Points per possession are not high that's at the moment. Ridiculous. Um, you, not the only team. Yeah, but, but but seventy points. And you know, one of my gripes, which it's it, this sounds hilarious because Bill Self has I think fifteen home losses and sixteen conference championships since he's been at Kansas. That's an, he's got that's more than conference championships <laughs> than home you losses. Trumped me. But when when you talk about winning in in college basketball Kansas will beat you 80 to 78 every day of the week and I hate that I wish they would beat you 100 to 78 but Bill just doesn't do that he doesn't score 100 points a game on the regular plays the clock he plays the clock he plays possessions and it's exciting basketball to watch even though 
He typically does not score over 80 points. Yeah, Butler fans would sign up for 80 right now, as we just illustrated. And so that's been a knock of mine about Bill Self, but, I mean, come on. That's all he does is win, so not much of a knock there. But Butler, 70 points? That's that's insane. If you've watched this team, Thad Mata – didn't have much here offensively. His two transfers, Eric Hunter Jr. from Purdue, Manny Bates out at NC State. They have really given some stability. And on paper, normally when you hear, oh, Villanova's coming to Hinkle on a Friday night, gosh, this is going to be a tough one. We're telling all you Butler fans out there tonight, this is a winnable game. Butler is favored by a point and a half. And after they now have four 20-point losses in Big East play already, this is a game that Thad Mata needs. It's Mike, a got to have it. It's a got to have it before they want to go. If they so want Jimmy to get Cook, got to have it. You got to have it. Yep. Put it on a t-shirt. Jimmy Cook, Scott Pollard, Charlie Clifford, Mike DeCourcy is going to join us next. Big Ten Network, Mike weighing in on Kevin Warren's departure. Again, the czar of the Big Ten, Mr. Commissioner, leaving to be the president and CEO of the Bears. What does that mean for IU and Purdue fans? What does that mean for this mega new contract with pretty much every broadcast entity out there, I think with the exception of ESPN, that is about to kick in for the Big Ten. I have um, an announcement regarding that. I am not taking that position. I know Scott there was a Pollard lot of rumors out there. He's turning down his ability I am not going to take the interview. Do you know how much sleep I've lost the last couple I know. Of nights I, there was a lot of rumors. Twitter was going wild about me taking that job. I'm just here to say no. Not taking it. Not moving to Chicago. He's not getting out of this that easily. When we come back, the two changes, if Scott Pollard would be named Big Ten Commissioner, what would he change? We'll have that answer. And we'll have Mike DeCourcy on the line with the forecast of what's ahead for for many of us, our favorite conference in America, plus Colts interview updates. We're back. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. Before we get to Mike DeCourcy, who will join us with the latest on the Big Ten, Jim Ursay has shared a note with Colts Nation and... We would like to have the privilege of reading it to you. This was a Twitter post headline, Dear Colts Fans. This was just released at the top of the hour after what was one of the more frustrating seasons, arguably the frust- most frustrating season for Jim Ursay as sole owner of the Indianapolis Colts. Quote, as always, thank you for your loyal support and for your love of the horseshoe over the past 39 seasons in India, you've stood with us investing your time, money, and energy, which has been precious through all the ups and downs that come with being a fan. But that's what makes the Colts nation the best fans anywhere, and I appreciate each and every one of you more than you will ever know. The Colts have a proud history with proud fans everywhere, so I know how tough the 2022 season was for all of you to endure. All of us had the highest hopes for a division title and a deep playoff run, but the bottom line is we failed to live up to the hope and excitement we all felt at the start of the season. I share with your frustration, I can't stand losing, and I hate letting our fans down, and we had too much of both last year. But please know this, no one is more unsatisfied than I am, 
No one has a higher expectation than I do, and no one wants to win for our fans and our community more than the people in our organization wearing the horseshoe every day. So, as I've always said, the responsibility for making us better ultimately falls on me, and our offseason work has already begun. That includes our search for our next head coach, preparing for an important draft in April, and continuing to bolster the talented core of players already on our roster. No one can ever guarantee wins or losses, but as long as I'm owner, I can guarantee that winning championships will always be my goal. And that's what I'll be doing everything I can to help get us there. That's what you deserve, and that's what we'll be working hard to deliver. Sincerely, Jim Ursay, owner and CEO of the Indianapolis Colts. That is the message from the top to you here, walking the streets, driving the streets of Indianapolis and across central Indiana, reveling in the memories still of Peyton Manning and the joys that it not only brought to you and your family, but the success it's brought to this city, one of the best host cities in America, one of the best sports cities in the world. And now it's your decision going forward about how much you're going to invest and how much hope you're going to put behind next year's team, knowing that, let's face it, Scott Pollard, It was a very similar story at the end of last season. Expectations were not met. A search not at head coach was on, but quarterback certainly was on. And Jim Ursay announced right around this time last year that all chips would be pushed to the middle of the table. All stones would be unturned in order to finally get over that hurdle, get over that hump. And instead, this team walked itself backwards into being the biggest pinata arguably in the National Football League this season. You can't keep changing quarterbacks and expect to have some consistent play and consistent wins. Now, I'm saying it doesn't all work. I understand. Sometimes a quarterback gets hurt. Sometimes players get hurt. That happens. But you can't expect that, okay, after the season's over, we're going to make a switch and go with this quarterback that's past his prime and try to get him to turn everything around. At some point, you have to – Push all your chips in. Do what you just said you're going to do. Push all your chips in. Fire everybody. Start all new. Get a new st- new staff, including the front office and the head coach, in which we're already doing a, a, a new head coach. Mm-hmm. But Well, maybe. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> if I'm wrong, it'll be a different head coach. Ah, see what I did there? So uh, the, his statement resonates with people. He clearly is emotional about it, clearly cares, which mm-hmm. is awesome. But it's still the Band-Aid on a gunshot wound every year for the last couple of years when the realistic thing is to do is clean house, start over, rebuild. It hurts and it's painful. It's going to take years. But that's the only way to really try to build back again something that was great 15 years ago. <laughs> we're, we're, we're stretching on the 15 number now. Yeah. Uh, look, Scott Pollard, Jim Ursay knows the head coaching hire is very important. He also knows this. You are not going to care until that selection comes in in April with a franchise quarterback. And he knows you also probably don't care whatever it takes on this roster to make sure you get the name, the face that will uplift this city again. It needs to be done. And that is something that Jim Ursay, as an owner, you can count on him when something needs to be done. He will go 
to the extremes to make that happen. I fully expect that happen to happen, I should say, in the draft this April. Before we get there, Mike DeCourcy now joins us on the Mower Shop from Fisher's Hotline. We're going to step to the side and talk about what is the biggest story right now in college sports around here. Mike, great for you to come on on a Friday. I know you're swamped. I know plenty is still to be decided at the top of the Big Ten. Kevin Warren leaving for the Bears. Mike, how long has this been in the works behind the scenes from what you know? Oh, I think it's only been within the last several, you know, the last two months or so, several, the last several months, I think, uh, uh, that that he was approached about his interest. Uh, and and I ultimately, I think that, uh, I think his ambition and his, his comfort level turned out to be more in the NFL space. Mm-hmm. But he certainly, he certainly uh, had a profound impact on the Big Ten. And I think, I would say that in the current environment, I don't think that you can look at it as a negative impact. Uh, he he has negotiated uh, as the principal agent uh, of the Big Ten to uh, a vastly lucrative television contract for their properties, the one that will have the Big Ten distributed across uh, most, all, pretty much all, <laughs> all but one of the major networks. Is ESPN that one that will not be looped in? Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, you've got Fox, which is more or less, I think, the primary, uh, the primary anchor, and okay. but then you've also got big, big uh, windows on CBS late afternoon on Saturdays, NBC evening on Saturdays. So they are they're, they're, and they are really well positioned there to be a dominant football brand. And then, uh, of course, on top of that, you have the addition of. Southern California and UCLA, which is part of that television deal, but also a significant change in the makeup of the league geographically. Not so much uh, from the standpoint of, I mean, they culturally they fit in yeah. terms of Storied. academics yep. and and the and the commitment to uh, extensive sports sponsorship that is prevalent in the Big Ten. They fit in both of those categories. Um, but of course, they're what I don't know exactly. Fifteen hundred miles from Iowa, something like that. <laughs> Fifteen hundred miles from Nebraska, and that those are the close schools. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, from that standpoint, they have logistical challenges that the next commissioner, you know, I, I'm sure I know because I, I spoke to Kevin in October, and they had already begun significant work on onboarding those two schools, and there are, as I said, significant logistical challenges to doing that effectively. Sure. Uh, but uh, he, he's leaving during the hard part. Uh, and uh, so the next person is going to have to push that ball over the goal line, so to speak. The work is not done. And as you mentioned, it may be the toughest part of the climb. Who are the early front runners potentially to replace Kevin Warren as Big Ten commissioner, Mike DeCourcy? Well, I will say, first of all, it's obvious that Jim Phillips would be somebody that would be considered because – he was considered when he was an athletic director at Northwestern and one of the best we've seen. Right. And then now he has two years ish, three years of conference commissioner experience. So he knows how that job goes. And he would certainly be interested uh, because of his geographic ties. And also because uh, he would be, I, I mean, I, it'll be inter- interesting to see. I mean, certainly I, I shouldn't say certainly he would be interested, but naturally 
it would be natural to expect he would be interested because uh, the Big Ten is in such so much more secure of a position than the ACC is. Without question. He, he told me uh, over dinner a couple of months ago that, you know, he really believes strongly in the future of the ACC. Um, but mm-hmm. if I were having that dinner and he was a Big Ten commissioner, he wouldn't have to say that. So no. uh, that's the difference. That's a good point. But Kevin, you know, Kevin came from, you know, uh, a list of candidates that was in-house at the Big Ten among the people uh, who were doing the hiring. And we didn't know that that was coming. So I'm not going to presuppose that I know, you know, who the next Kevin Warren is. Sure. I'm going to leave the the uh, manifest destiny of adding UCLA and USC to Scott Pollard, our resident West Coaster here. I know he has some thoughts about this, Mike. Mike, I, I know airplanes exist, but it, you you touched on it a little bit with the logistics on it. I, but nobody wants to play Hawaii, and, and they're in a conference. I mean, it's not fun to fly that far consistently to play somebody. Hawaii is the the one that has to do all the flying. But you know, the other teams just do it once in a while. But SC and UCLA, you mentioned it, fifteen hundred miles to the closest cities. They got to go all the way coast to coast. They got to go to Rutgers. Rutgers got to go to them. I I don't think everybody can be happy about them joining uh, the conference from two two time zones away, can they? Well, I don't think everybody is happy about that, but I think on on payday they'll be happy. So, to speak. <laughs> so um, I mean, I, I get it. Money talks. That's that's why this league is is happening the way it is, and that's why pro sports exist. But it's to me, I'm thinking about the players and the students. And their support system. I mean, private planes are going to have to be a thing for all of this because you're going to have to oh, take tutors, absolutely. the support staff. All that's absolutely. that's where I'm going with it. Is, the, is more of the logistics. I get the money. I know it's worth it. <laughs> I'm just saying it's going to be a lot of tutors on the road. The student-athlete experience is about to change significantly again. You've, you're going to have to spend time in class on the airplanes. When, and that's when, all of them. Um, when when the big when the, uh, the the border regions in California questioned this, uh, there were there was a dollar figure that was put out there relative to what it would cost UCLA to private fly basically all their all the teams that would need to to play regularly scheduled games because like in track and stuff they just go to one spot they all go you know they can and so for that standpoint they don't have to do that but for the teams that play games volleyball mm-hmm. basketball all that football etc they they came up with a dollar figure and i don't know if i have the dollar figure exactly right but i believe it was somewhere in the neighborhood of a million and a half dollars to basically private fly everybody they need to do wow. well, i mean that's that's like tip money in this, in this television. <laughs> that, that does seem like an extremely yeah, low that, number that's half the jars filled that we still got half a room half an open jar and tips with that mike i love that analogy yeah i i don't think that that's going to be a problem for anybody that's in this league now uh that they could that in, in those circumstances where it's prudent and they haven't already ordinarily done that which men's basketball in the big 10 everybody has flown private for a very long time i went on a road trip one year with wisconsin this was 2002 Hmm. or somewhere around 2001 maybe no it's 2001 because it's the year that brad soderbergh was the interim mike Mike Uh, finley on that plane mike no that was this was this was after mike okay Uh, uh, but this was the this was their 2000 final four team a lot of the same guys uh, and I went on a road trip with them, and they and they flew to Purdue private. They flew to uh, to um, 
to then, then to East Lansing Private. So this was 20 years ago when they were already doing that for men's basketball. So I don't think it's that big a step under with this contract in place for any of the teams, any of the schools, to put any of their teams on a private plane. You're listening to Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, College Hoops, Big Ten studio analyst. Many times when you're checking in on Purdue and IU, you get Mike's excellent insight either either at halftime or after the games. This is the Mower Shop in Fisher's hotline. Mike, back to Kevin Warren briefly. He was in the middle of the COVID decisions and every one of everyone who mattered in the Big Ten was here with us in Indianapolis when those games were ultimately stopped in March of 2020. Kevin Warren, you, you've mapped out on the television side his legacy. Uh, the other major bullet points of Warren's legacy, is it fair to say that he was at the top of this conference in maybe its wildest era to date? I think that's fair to say. Because, I mean, let's be honest. When you think about Big Ten, wild is not a word that often comes up. <laughs> right. That's not the nature of the universities that are members. They might have a wild Story. Uh, football game yeah. or a wild basketball game, uh, but uh, it, this is you know this is a pretty uh, conservative league from the standpoint of uh, you know everybody uh, has very high standards. Uh, they they absolutely co- are committed to those standards. So they so it has been uh, very. Uh, it's a, been a very wild time. I mean, I go back to um, to when Penn State was – I was covering the Nittany Lions football program when they joined in the 90-91 around then. Okay. Um, and there was a very long vetting of that. It got out publicly in, say, let's say November of the prior year, and then I was in Iowa City in June of the year it became official uh, for to, to write about that. Uh, so this that was six months, seven months that it was out there and discussed and debated wow. and this and that. This was, hey, UCLA and USC are joining. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. There is no debate. It's happening. That That is an interesting lens to look at. You're right. Three decades. This is how things have changed. And look, I think Kevin Warren, I wish him all the best with the Bears. I don't know him personally. I know a few people who do. And what an addition for the Bears as they really try to revitalize with the number one overall pick, Justin Fields, all the decisions. Mike, we have you here, so I need a thought on really if you can get, start with IU hoops and the injuries that have led to the defensive inefficiencies that have led to a familiar level of frustration for IU fans in terms of early season Big Ten sitting near the bottom of the conference. Um, are you as concerned about this team as most are around here? Well, I think that, that concern is natural because we don't know when race and Xavier, race Thompson, Xavier Johnson are, are, are going to be available again. And they haven't shown on either end of the floor uh, the, the necessary uh, resiliency to be able to compete at, in a very solid and deep conference. Without those two, they they have really struggled at the defensive end to to be significant without, especially without race. I mean, if you go yeah. back to the first half of the Iowa game, they had Iowa bar- you know barely in the gym, yeah. and then as soon as he goes out, the defense collapses, and it stayed in that mode for, for five halves. Now, now, now you've watched yeah. that for. 
for five halves. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, look, Mike, I appreciate you coming on here. We would talk Purdue, but let's be honest. Things are going quite well for Matt Painter yet again, and, and there's not much to debate about how steady this team's been and, and the character and hustle it's played with, so we'll leave the Boilers alone. Looking forward to catching you soon. Are you in studio tonight by chance? Uh, no, I, I just came off Big Ten today, uh, and they may re, re, do, re-air that uh, later this afternoon. Um, and then I will be on uh, – I will be – in the, I will be on Fox tonight at 6.30 in the pregame show. Excellent. I will be on Fox. And then uh, Sunday night we have Big Ten Basketball and Beyond, our 12th season of doing that show. Very Congratulations. Proud of that show. Yep. Thank you. Uh, I, as I tweeted before our, our, our first episode of the year, we lasted longer than Seinfeld, longer than <laughs> Sopranos. Just saying, you know. Uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, my work at SportingNews.com. You can follow me at TSN Mike for all of that. Please do that at TSN Mike. Mike, great to hear from you. From you. Tell our good friend Megan McHugh and we say hello, okay? You bet. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, Mike. Excellent. Very interesting conversation. That's why we love Mike DeCourcy. Insight on Kevin Warren, Mr. Phillips, the Board of Regents out in California. Mike can do it all. We're back on the fan after this. Pacers updates. Hawks are in tonight. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Charlie Clifford of Wish TV with you this afternoon on The Fan. Happy Friday, everybody. 2023 off to a rocking start. We hope you're having a great year. A few news items to get to before Kevin Bowen joins Jimmy Cook, Scott Pollard, and I at the top of the hour. Jim Ursay has released a note to you, the Colts fans around the world, about his disappointment in this season and his doubling down on a quest for another championship. If you remember one year ago, I believe it was this very Friday, the the jet engine message with all chips in. Uh, we've had enough uh, fun with that one. We're going to let that go. And now it's on to 2023. Kevin Bowen will give you his thoughts on Ursay's latest message penned to a fan base that is as upset as any in the National Football League ahead of wildcard weekend. The Los Angeles Chargers will not have Mike Williams, star wide receiver for the foreseeable future Chargers at Jacksonville. That's the late night game tomorrow night. Seattle, San Francisco gets your wild card weekend rolling. Miami will start a rookie quarterback, Skylar Thompson, against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo against Josh Allen. Baltimore without Lamar Jackson against the Cincinnati Bengals. Those are the two Sunday games. And then Monday, lingering questions about Tom Brady's future. Will it be Miami? Will it be a victory lap in New England? Tampa Bay and Dallas Monday night. Pacers and Hawks. Pacers. A three-point underdog tonight without the services of Tyrese Halliburton. We are still waiting on a update on Miles Turner, Aaron Neesmith, and O'Shea Brissett. Up next, it's Kevin Bowen. A wild week for the Colts. Interviews continue. KB, on with us next. What's going on, Indy? Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. It's 2 o'clock. Your Friday's here, and Kevin Bowen is rejoining us after a very busy morning. Uh, 
Kevin, you evaluated the interviews thus far at the Colts complex and Scott's very intrigued about your thoughts on Eric Bieniemy. That in a moment. First, Jim Ursay just one hour ago releasing his latest end of season letter to the fans. Uh, you read it. We just read it on air a few moments ago. Uh, no big guarantees or big language like we heard, I believe, on this very Friday one year ago uh, on the runway, wherever Mr. Ursay was headed. Uh, it seemed a bit watered down from what we've heard. What was your take? Wow, I guess we are. Uh, Maybe today is the anniversary of the old runway video (laughs) there. Um, Great, great recall on that one, Charlie. Uh, I thought it was about what you would expect from, uh, again, an owner that I think just went through his most disappointing and I would argue his most embarrassing season as an owner, uh, which dates back, you know, to the late 90s. You know, as you pointed out, nothing too grand, nothing too specific, but he hit all the right bullet points that I'm sure the public relations department was saying, all right, let's thank the fans and let's acknowledge the disappointment and let's make sure it had coaching search and the draft and, and you hit all that. And if I'm not mistaken, I think some season ticket money could be due very soon for people out there. Mm-hmm. So um, I would assume that was a little bit of a thought behind this as well. So yeah, about what you would expect from the owner. And, you know, like we hear from Chris Bauer on Tuesday, now it's about actions. Kevin, would you expect to hear from Jim Ursay before a head coach is announced? Or would you, are you anticipating not much from the owner's office until that decision comes down? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I don't, you never know with him. Mm-hmm. It's probably where, where we should start. But, you know, if you've seen how he's operated this year, Charlie, it almost seems like we've only heard from him after the good. You know, we we heard from him after the Raiders game. I mean, he, he had that tweet of, you yeah. know, uh, righteous winning and, all you know, Al Davis quote in there, and and that was it. We didn't hear from him again after those you know, seven straight losses, which I think is a little bit different based off what we're used to. I, I, I feel like in recent years after losses, I think of kind of that wild video he shot lifting weights – or you know, yeah, ahead of the home opener would have been yeah, yeah, twenty twenty after, after losing <laughs> Jacksonville, and you know he he's he has been outspoken after losses uh, before in the Frank Reich era, but this year it almost seemed like we almost we only heard from him after the win. So you know, unless he has a change of tune, which again, knowing him, it could happen at any moment. But I I tend to think we don't hear from him until a head coach is hired. Kevin, do you think I got two questions for you? Do you think that Ursay? I get the vibe that he's he's saying, and Chris Ballard is also saying that he's going to let his football people do the football stuff. But it it seems to me that he's increasing his influence and decision making onto the football people. I would agree. Um, I think the venom with how Carson Wentz was handled really pissed off Jim Ursay, and he almost looked at it as enough is enough. I'm going to insert myself here. Um, even though I don't typically do those things. And I think that's what you saw boil over. And you know what? This might be kind of a far-fetched idea, guys, but it's something that I was saying around the time that we saw him, you know, again, demand the benching of Matt Ryan, you know, end up firing Frank Reich. I really think he went on a bit of a power trip in that time period. And if you guys remember, that was all around his public comments about Daniel Snyder. Sure. And, you know, for about a 24, 48-hour period there, Jim Irsay was like 
he was the king of the NFL media world. Mm-hmm. I mean, beloved. I mean, I, I went. I did a couple Washington radio interviews the week that the Colts played the Commanders, and I mean, they literally were like, "Hey, can you know, can he, can he own the Commanders? Too? <laughs> we we want to put him up in this Ring of Honor and all this." And I'm like, "Wow." I mean, I know the comments were, you know, certainly rare for an NFL owner, but I didn't realize they had that impact. So, again, maybe it's a far fetched idea. But part of me is like, man, this is, this is a bit of a guy that's kind of on on, uh, on this power high, if you will, and he thinks he can do no wrong, and that's when you know he started inserting himself. And obviously, when he did that, you know, at three three and one, and demanded the benching of Matt Ryan. I mean, the Colts only won one game and lost nine the rest of the way. Yeah, that's a problem. Okay, and switching gears, the uh, <laughs> enemy is this just like, hey, everybody else is taking a shot at him. We're going to take a shot at him too, just for public relations, just because it's a sexy name. Or do you think there's actual interest on both sides for this job? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that, Scott. I mean, certainly this is what Team 15, now that Eric Bieniemy has interviewed with since 2019, hmm. which is just an unbelievable number when you look at it like that. But if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the only team he interviewed with this week. And this is the week to view, to interview Eric Bieniemy. The Chiefs will obviously yeah, play a next busy. week after, yeah, after getting the bye. So, um, yeah, I mean, there is a part of it that's like, oh, yeah, it's just the Colts, you know, reaching out to a you know pretty high profile name but you know arizona and houston and carolina denver they all appear they all appear to be very quiet um on the enemy front at least I, I i do think a lot of it is chris ballard this is his closest contact probably that you know or i i should say the one that he has the most familiarity with from a direct you know i right. watched you coach in that organization for four years now when ballard was in kansas city the enemy was the running backs coach he wasn't yet the offensive coordinator he got promoted to that yep. uh, in 2018 when Matt Nagy left to take the Bears job. Uh, you know, the the enemy thing has just always been such a mystery. I mean, yeah, there's off-the-field stuff, but, I mean, that was 25, 30 years ago. Uh, obviously, I, I think football-wise, everyone around the league kind of has the question of, like, is it all Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, or sure. is there more of an influence from Bien-Ami, uh in this? I know he's kind of had to defend himself from a – He's a poor interviewer, um, so all of it is just very odd to me. The fact that 14 teams have interviewed him before the Colts and they all have said no at some level, I, I gosh, it just there has to be something there that has led to him not getting this. And, and, and I don't think it's necessarily, and I don't know, maybe Jimmy can speak to this. I don't think it's necessarily like he's some patient <laughs> waiting. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't look at it as like he views and he's interviewing. That is, like a the- there that, is like a that is a theory, though. That is a theory that, hey, yeah. hold out. But we haven't heard about Jimmy. Has he turned down any offers? Has he been formally offered no, anything? No, he's not been formally offered. And like we said earlier in the show, mm-hmm. he is the only offensive coordinator during Andy Reid's tenure to this point that is not wound up as a head coach at some point, whether as mm-hmm. that occupant or as a head coach later down the line. Brian Dable is that exception I'm referencing. Why is he such a sexy name? After this many job interviews and no offers, why is this even being discussed? Just because? Yes, because Just because 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 he coaches the greatest quarterback in the league? Same reason that coaches continue to get plucked off of, or at least did at the time when they were at the height of their powers, Bill Belichick's coaching tree. That's just, they they want... But they got plucked! I understand that. I don't know why he has it, but I'm telling you that's why, is that he continues to be the most attractive name because in a year they were supposed to be down, they were the best offensive team across the league. Kevin Bowen, I, I would like you to join this roundtable here. 
Let's discuss this. <laughs> there is it doesn't matter who the coach is it, in terms of look, if this franchise is going to get back on the right path, it's going to be a young quarterback becoming a star. And you need the best coach in my opinion in that seat to give you the highest probability of doing that. So where does Eric Bieniemy stand? He's been the closest contact to the top player on the planet. They've won consistently. They've gotten along to the degree where there hasn't been drama that's come out of relationships down there. He's still there. Why Why does this not make sense? If Jim, yeah. I mean, where do you stand on this? Yeah, and again, the thing with Eric Bannemey, he's been the OC there for the last four years. But, you know, if you look at his history in the league, it, it, it's running back background. Yes. It's not necessarily quarterback background. So maybe that is something. And, and in it's a, a way, good I distinction. Like I'm, like, I'm nitpicking his resume. But I feel like when you look at offensive coordinators, I think oftentimes we just assume that it's a quarterback background. For Bannemey, it, it's not that. Now, ironically, when you look at Ben Johnson, who's an offensive coordinator for the Lions, who is reportedly interviewing today, you know, his background is a little bit all over on the offensive side of the ball. He actually was a tight ends coach right. for the Lions before they promoted him to be the interim OC last year and then full-time OC this year. Shane Steichen uh, is the other offensive candidate name that, that's been thrown around the Colts. Um, he's reportedly interviewing tomorrow. His background is much more quarterback-centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the quarterbacks he's worked with, it's actually kind of a wide group in terms of ages and styles. It's currently Jalen Hurts, as he's the OC in Philly. Before that, it was actually one year with Justin Herbert and then several seasons with uh, Philip Rivers. Right. So it, that is the greatest appeal, Charlie, to hiring the offensive coach. It's that the rookie quarterback you're theoretically pairing or drafting, you can then pair them with the offensive coach and – Again, theoretically, you don't have to worry about your quarterback or your offensive system for five to ten years. Mm-hmm. That That is the greatest, I think, uh, maybe goal isn't the right word, but that would be what you'd want to seek out in the offensive coaches. Hiring anybody defensively, you just run the risk of, all right, <laughs> you too. if you do have success <laughs> offensively, and then you're changing systems. Yeah, I, I mentioned this earlier in the week, and – Maybe it's not acknowledging Peyton Manning's brilliance enough, but I think a big reason why Peyton Manning had the success that he had, it's because Tom Moore never left. Yeah. And he always wanted to be here. And again, yeah. after a few years, I'm sure Peyton just would have, you know, overruled any sort of <laughs> system change. Yes. But having that continuity, I think, I w- was vital. So that is a part of this process I'm really curious to see play out. I'm with you there. This is Kevin Bowen. You listen to. Uh, Kevin and Query every morning here on The Fan. This is the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers, themowershop.com, all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Kevin, earlier this week, Bob Kravitz was on. The lingering silence around Jim Harbaugh and this opening. Michigan continues to put out these bizarre tweets of Harbaugh endorsing the continued discussions between school president and athletic administrators about a path forward with the AD and Harbaugh in charge in Ann Arbor. Um, It is now Friday. We do not know of an interview yet. Are you beginning, if you're a Colts fan, to become concerned that that interview will not ever be happening between the Colts and Harbaugh? 
Yeah, the whole situation's odd. I mean, you use, use the word bizarre, and frankly, that's probably a word that people have used before to describe Jim Harbaugh. So maybe it kind of surely fits, uh, um, a little bit of his personality. But the whole situation is really weird to me. You know, is this contract agent driven? Uh, you know, does he really have NFL interest? Um, you know, the the report initially out of Carolina when they had their first talk was something to the effect of like Carolina met with Jim Harbaugh after you know. Carball's camp convinced them of talking with <laughs> their client. And it's like, what? You know, shouldn't they be the one trying to woo him and yes. not vice versa there? And like you said, I don't know if you guys have read the president's statement yesterday from Michigan and then Harbaugh's response. I forget who it was on Twitter, but I thought it was summarized beautifully. And <laughs> the president literally said to Jim Harbaugh, we love you. And Jim Harbaugh responded with, Thank you. Like, that is not that is not the appropriate response for anyone who if you have affection for some someone. Solo vibe right you know, for, for you, whenever you were in seventh grade and you got the kahunes uh-huh. to finally say it to that special person, and you got thank you back on AOL Instant Messenger. Uh, uh, that's rough. That is, we've all been there, Jim. Oh, uh, nice. Hand is raised. It was a long walk to the bus for me that day <laughs> at, at, at Clay Junior High. But, uh, again, it's just been odd to me. You know, someone brought up a really good point to me earlier today. I think, it was, I think his name was Thomas, and said, if, Har- if the Colts have interest in Harbaugh, wouldn't it be Ursay doing all the talking directly to Harbaugh? And I guess you're going behind Chris Bauer's back, but I think we're all under the perception that Harbaugh wants personnel control. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't, but I think we're all kind of under that sort of perception of college coaches control their roster. They want to do that in the NFL as well. And Harbaugh has a resume that I think would merit some of that discussion. So having said that, again, would this be Ursay doing all of that? Um, so I, I, I don't have a great answer for you. Again, as of now, and, and this would be the week to kind of get college coaches you know in your building or virtually whatever because you know theoretically some teams are going to lose this weekend and you would like to interview some of those candidates as well uh with, with how the process goes so um, i'm probably in the camp that i don't think harbaugh is like this slam slam dunk okay his resume is extremely impressive there's no denying that what he did for four years in san francisco um you know stands out but i i I just don't know if he's a cure-all, and all of a sudden you you hire him and you want to put him in the ring of honor as a coach, too. (laughs) Kevin Bowen here. Kevin, the key word I took from your answer was control because you're right. With Chris Ballard's path forward here in Indianapolis, with what we just witnessed from Jim Ursay over the past two months, throwing in a young quarterback who very well knows when his name is announced, you've been chosen by the Indianapolis Colts. Chris Ballard can say all he wants, you know, oh, you're going to make him the Messiah and you'll deem him whatever. And we got to get it right. All that matters is that young man will know when he hears his name, that that expectation has now been placed on his shoulders. And oh, by the way, the last two names who have carried that were Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Good luck. So I hope regardless of how this situation shakes out for Colts fans everywhere, that there is a stable choice at the head coaching position to give this thing a chance because otherwise, Kevin, it's just too difficult. This roster isn't good enough, and I think Colts fans are already bracing for two to three years of of, of more agony, for, for the lack of a better word, um, and, and putting the wrong person in this coaching seat, I think, would, would risk ruin 
the one thing you walked out of this season with, and that was a top four pick. Yeah, I think so many times you draft a player and we don't think about what's around the player and the opportunity Mm -hmm. to kind of give them the best chance to succeed. Again, I I guess I'm bringing up Peyton Manning for the second time here in in his path, but I think we forget Peyton Manning had Tariq Glenn and Marvin Harrison when he walked into the building. And then the next year, after going 3-13 and and leading the NFL in interceptions, they drafted Edger and James, and he led the league in rushing his first year. So... Uh, when you have three Hall of Fame caliber players at the three most important positions on the offense, not named quarterback, or I should say just support the quarterback probably, that that helps you out huge. So um, I think that's a good point to bring up, Charlie. And, you know, also point out, if you look at the AFC right now, you do have seven quarterbacks all under the age of 27. Correct. Now, Joe Burrow has taken one overall, and Lawrence has taken one overall. But, you know, w- when you have Miami, and I get he's not playing on on. Sunday, but he was a huge part of them getting there. I mean, Tua was drafted fifth overall. Justin Herbert was drafted sixth. So right there, you have two examples of guys on rookie contracts in their third years getting their teams to the playoffs. So it it can be done. It can happen. It's not an easy process. There obviously are misses within the top four of the draft on a rather routine basis at quarterback, but that's why we label it the most important position in sports, and that's why you get paid the amount of money that Ashram Holmes and company make. I want to switch back to Harbaugh. Go and that possibility. I don't think there's any realistic way that can happen because, as we've discussed, Ursay has decided to exert more influence. You said during your little diatribe, Charlie, you said control, (laughs) and that's what made me think of this. If Harbaugh's a guy that tends to want to control everything, he's going to want to come in. Chris Ballard just said he's controlling everything, and Jim Ursay very obviously is controlling everything. I think that's too many control freaks in the same office, and I don't think that's going to be good for for Colts homogeny to to make a good product go on the field kevin do you ever watch mtv boiling points back in the day it, it feels like oh, there there would be sure. yeah. there would be enough uh set up to potentially ignite those three personalities uh, i think scott brings up a very good point how much power is actually there for each of these you know, three uh, yeah boiling points boy i might need to uh when the kids are napping this week i might need to <laughs> that back up so thank I you for that, that um I will. It was a question I had late in the year, and you know what? The, the fact that Scott brings up Harbaugh, throw him into this group. If Chris Ballard or Jim Harbaugh or Jeff Saturday, if any of those three went to Jim Mercer right now and said, mm. I want the gig, but I want control, i.e., obviously Ballard wouldn't be the coach, but I guess in Saturday and Harbaugh's case, they would want some personnel influence as well. How would Ursay react to that? Like, is Chris Ballard here no matter what? Or could he be swooned? Again, I don't think we're there with Jeff Saturday. Demersey has an emotional relationship with him, so you never really know. But again, I don't think we're at that level. Harbaugh, we'll have, we'll have to see how it plays out. But as of now, I mean, it appears Ballard's the one running the search, and certainly the candidates would indicate that. Yeah. But that is a thought that I had late in the season, how Jim Ursay would would view that. Kevin Bowen, this story will not stop anytime soon. You will follow him on Twitter, read all the updates on the fan. KB, thanks for taking a good chunk of time on your Friday afternoon. Have have a great weekend, man. It's been a fun listen with both of you this week, and uh, I owe you that beer, Charlie. (laughs) Yeah, no. Thanks, Kevin. That that one was on the house. Kevin Bowen, uh, you hear him and Jake every morning. I thought he pointed it out, that number seven, Scott, that's going to stick in my mind, seven quarterbacks, 27 or younger. Um, look, proving that if you pick the right one, you can get to the playoffs. This is true, <laughs> but it also proves you're look, 
you're you're standing <laughs> you're standing on the beach with your board and and that wave there's there's a lot of there's a lot of traffic there. You too could have a lottery dream home. You too yeah. could be right there. I it, interesting. Appreciate KB coming on here again. If you're just joining us on the fan, Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook, Jim Mercer releasing a letter to Colts Nation about his. Uh, really disgust with this season and how he plans to change things. It's become an annual thing here Friday after the regular season. Uh, a note from the owner to you. We just shared it with you. Um, I don't know. Eric Bieniemy. the more we talk about it, the more we look at these other names, with the exception of the coordinator in Philadelphia uh, who has – a ton of quarterback experience working hand in hand. That was a good distinction by Kev. I thought Scott that look, the enemy, I believe the only time he has called plays in his career was as an offensive coordinator for Colorado the college level in 2011, 2012. So it's been, it's been a decade since you're the lead voice of an offense. Is that what's held him up? There's something. I think that's a, that's a very good point that publicly we know but I still think there's something we don't know mm-hmm. because how do you interview for half of the league and not get one offer? That has to be the first question when he sits down. Do you think he comes in with a joke prepared yeah, now? Like, like, ah, 15. Hey, it's me. 15. <laughs> I, got a, I got a tattoo I, on my arm for every I, team I interview, seems, and it's, my arm's covered. I, I think you could have some fun with that. Uh, Pacers-Hawks tonight. Hawks, a three-point favorite. It appears Trey Young's going to play. He was sick earlier this week. The Hawks loss in Milwaukee. We're still waiting to see who else may not be out there for the Pacers. No Tyrese Halliburton, Scott Pollard. Andrew Nemhard, rookie out of Gonzaga, point guard of Gonzaga, who's been much more of a two guard so far in his rookie season here. You also have TJ McConnell, who sparked a potential near stunning comeback at Madison Square Garden two nights ago. Um, and says all the right things in all the interviews. He's a great sound. Bite. He's a grizzled veteran. I like um, the way he interviews. I would, Jimmy. I would love at some point to discuss uh, if we could revisit some of his his reaction after the loss to the Knicks. We heard some of it yesterday. He we should smoke a, a pipe. He needs to like get one of those tobacco <laughs> pipes and just have that as a prop for every post game interview. You know, kind of pull, take a little fake puff off of it. Like, well, I'll tell you tonight, it was a little difficult out there, but we got the job done for our team and our Lord. And he he is a son of a coach, um, a point guard, probably since he was four years old. But you're right. He T.J. McConnell goes into a different persona when it becomes interview time because we see him, Scott. He's like the biggest prankster in the NBA he talks trash if it's not to the opposing team's bench it's normally to someone in the crowd I mean there is not a night that goes by on the road where TJ McConnell isn't having a conversation with someone who who is not on the floor I love the fire I love that more of it more of it hey it's it spreads throughout the locker room maybe hasn't lacked maybe he's the glue guy in the locker room we've noticed that too I mean this team celebrating after dunks after threes They've played with a swagger that really I think they're earning in real time. But how much did you know, okay, if if this team actually believes in itself, yeah, we're, I wouldn't say showboating, but 
These dudes play with an edge. Well, you, I said that lightly, but what I mean is, is actuality. It, it's very important. Uh, when you have chemistry in the locker room, you guys, guys cheering for each other when they have success, that just makes everybody happy. And it makes winning those tough games that are close so much more important because you're going to win games like that as opposed to pointing fingers and going, you should have blocked out and gotten that rebound. That's why we lost the game. You got guys going, great play. You won us the game. And that's what the difference is between a team that's like at 500 versus a team that's 10 games up at this point in the season Mm -hmm. is you're winning those games that, you know, everybody, even the best teams have games where they're not that great. But if they have that chemistry towards the end of the game, when when you have a roster like this Pacers team right now, it's very obvious they're winning games that normally they would not win. And it's because of that other factor. They like each other. You can see (laughs) it. That's why it's fun to watch them because they're having fun. When the best team I was ever on in the NBA – year in and year out, was the Sacramento Kings. That era was just absolutely incredible. We all liked each other. We didn't care who scored all the points and got all the rebounds. We just loved beating everybody's ass. It was a fun team to be on. We hung out before the games. We hung out after the games. We genuinely had a brotherhood. We liked being around each other, and it showed on the court. We were the best show on court. That was our It was. It was a blast. And it and so started with see, the pregame warm-up that you oh, made famous with the, the ring around the rosy, feet kicking <laughs> uh, in every yeah. other – That was – Our little show tune. I was Scott, the leader of that. I was doing that. that in like fourth grade with my <laughs> church league team. Thank you, Scott Pollard. Yeah, well, you know, I did my top part to contribute to that team. But, uh, you know, back to the Pacers. You see it. You see their joy when other guys on the team do well The of the guys on the bench. You see them pointing each other. Hey, good pass. That means they genuinely like each other, which is the exact opposite of the Hawks that are coming in the building tonight. <laughs> yeah, that is a great where, point. Where it's like, hey, the sky is cloudy in January yeah. in Indiana, and the Hawks organization has some problems. Yeah, it. it <laughs> uh, we went through how tough it's been for Nate McMillan. We'll have time to do that again momentarily. You brought up the bench, and the last man on the bench, although he had to start, earlier this week at Madison Square Garden, James Johnson, the elder statesman on this team. He was a first-round pick out of Wake many moons ago to the Bulls. He's bounced around. He's played all over. His contract was just picked up with earlier this week, guaranteed for the rest of the year. He was on one of those deals. It was kind of a wait-and-see thing. He hasn't played much, but he was interviewed because, hey, congratulations, you're sticking around become a story of how much of a help he's been behind the scenes that's exactly what he said he goes this team very rare in the nba you know it's a click business where hey those three guys are going to dinner there hey those Mm -hmm. two dudes they always do their own thing he's like this team goes to dinner on a regular basis together this team does events around here on off days goes and watches the mad ants together I know it sounds cheesy and corny and something that your high school coach probably begged you to do when you were a junior and senior, but that's happening here. And trust me, I've seen it many different ways. That's the best thing we have going about this team right now. Only guys that have been around to different teams know how special that is. That's it. He's got that special perspective because of his his path, because he's bounced around. He knows the dysfunction that exists on almost every team. And a lot of them lie about it. They all, a lot of them say, hey, "Oh no, that's what you're paid to do." Right? Seven, eight guys. We all yeah. hang out all the time. Yeah. No, they don't. No, they don't. It's two or three typically. He's exactly right. That is 100 percent accurate. In my experience in the NBA as well. When you go to certain teams, they actually do hang out. Most of them don't. We'll and this, st- this Pacers team hangs out, and I love that. 
I love that too. You should enjoy that as the Hawks come in tonight. We'll see how the Pacers can weather the storm without Tyrese Halliburton. He's unavailable elbow and knee issue for the next two weeks. When we return an injury update out of IU Badgers and Hoosiers tomorrow. Uh, what's the status on race Thompson? There's been a development with this story. That's next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ultimately, our plan from a roster standpoint wasn't good enough, okay? That's one. And then I think all the change... Sometimes, like, here's what we didn't do a very good job of. We didn't manage expectations very well at all. Like, we've been so process-oriented, okay? And that's who I am, that's who Frank was, that's who we want to be. We want to be process-oriented. And with a good process, you're going to lead to a good result. Well, every time we keep going and getting these vet court, and this falls on me. This is on me. You'll get a vet court. Well, here's the expectation. We're going to Super Bowl. They got a good roster. They're going to Super Bowl. Well, there was holes in that. Our job's to fix those holes. Scott Pollard is to my right, <laughs> chuckling like a seventh grader in <laughs> sex ed class. That speech is the guy in the NBA Finals on worldwide television that throws a ball out of bounds and turns around and goes, my bad. <laughs> yeah, we know. We saw it. That we just be lived the through best it. Best analogy I've heard all week about the any of this. whole season. We watched. Yeah, we know who it's on. My bad. Me. Well, as we've said all week, it takes a certain person to stand up there and admit fault. And Chris Ballard's done that. And he still has a job. And now we walk forward into this interview process. Bubba Ventrone Wednesday. Ejero Averro, defensive coordinator of Broncos yesterday. Eric Bieniemy last night. Today, it appears Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator of the Rams, and Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator of the Lions, still know Jim Harbaugh on the board in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm going to stick with my reading between the lines that I think this is all smoke and mirrors. Like, hey, we're just satisfying what we've got to do. We're telling people. We're hiring people. We're we're putting names in there that that make people go, oh, the enemy. Okay, yeah, that's a name I've heard before. And they already know who they're hiring. (laughs) And And it rhymes with schmatter (laughs) schmay. Jimmy, Scott's not going to back down on this. I'm not. I'm not going to back down on the opposite take that there is no way. There is no way Jeff Saturday will be retained, but we're going to find out. Here is the latest from Jim Irsay. If you're just joining us on the fan, a good Friday to you, Charlie Clifford to Wish TV, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. Yeah, let's get weird. Uh, Jim Irsay releasing his note to you, the fans, to close the season. We're going to read it here quickly one more time. Dear Colts fans, this came out just over an hour ago. As always, thank you for your loyal support and for your love of the horseshoe over the past 39 seasons in Indy. You've stood with us investing your precious time, money, and energy through all the ups and downs that come with being a fan. But that's what makes Colts Nation the best fans anywhere, and I appreciate each and every one of you more than you will ever know. The Colts have a proud history with proud fans everywhere, so I know how tough the 2022 season was for all of you to endure. All of us had high hopes for a division title and a deep playoff run, but the bottom line is we failed to live up to the hope and excitement that we all felt 
at the start of the season. I share your frustration. I can't stand losing, and I hate letting down our fans, and we had too much of both this year. Please know this, though. There is no one more unsatisfied than I am. No one has higher expectations than I do, and no one wants to win for our fans and our community more than the people in our community, I should say, more than the people in our organization wearing the horseshoe every day. So, as I've always said, the responsibility for making us better ultimately falls on me, and our offseason work has already begun. That includes the search for our next head coach, preparing for an important draft in April, and continuing to bolster the talented core of players already on our roster. No one can ever guarantee wins or losses, but as long as I'm owner, I can guarantee that winning championships will always be my goal and I'll be doing everything I can to help us get there. That's what you deserve, and that's what we'll be working hard to deliver. Sincerely, Jim Irsay, owner and CEO of the Colts. Yeah! Schooner Tuna. The tuna with the heart. Mr. Mom reference, anyone? <laughs> I'm, I'm over on that one. Oh, you guys are too young. Oh, Go watch Mr. Mom. That's your weekend homework. Noted. Nathan <laughs> sitting here. You got it. Uh, six, six paragraphs. Similar rhetoric to last year. Um, Chris Ballard opened this segment by saying we need to do a better job managing expectations. Translation, please, Mr. Ursay, do not come up with another gimmicky slogan to say this is the year we're all in. You need to take a step back and realize where you are. You are a far way from anything fun in this city. And until a quarterback walks in, That's not going to change with the head coach. We're going to pivot to the college basketball news that just came down in Bloomington. Jeff Goodman reporting race Thompson sprained MCL. The hope is IU's veteran down low alongside Trace Jackson Davis could be back on the floor by early to mid February. It is currently January 13th. The Hoosiers are one in four in big 10 play Scott with Wisconsin, the 18th team, in the country, walking into Assembly Hall tomorrow for a 1 o'clock tip. If IU pulled it together, played some defense, and this team, not hoping that the players come back like in a month, this team, this current team right now, if they pull together and play some defense, they could beat Wisconsin. That's how little I think of Wisconsin after watching them play. Yes, they're not in the film room. They're not great. Their big guy is getting by because no one back bodies him. Trace Jackson can do that and negate that kid. Crow, I think his name Yes. Is. And so, I, like, what if Woody could get these guys fired up for Saturday's game tomorrow and just go, you know what? This could turn everything around and give them a Braveheart speech or something where it's like, they may take our losses, but they'll never take our stripy pants. Like, we've got to... You figure out a way, Woody does, to, to get this team fired up because this Wisconsin team, I, I said it earlier, if they're ranked in two weeks, I'll be shocked. They're not good. And that's kind of a statement about the Big Ten because no, they're yeah. one of the better teams in the Big Ten right they now. They are. And so I apologize for nothing, <laughs> but they're not good. So if they're ranked in two weeks, I'll be shocked. This is a team that this IU team, this IU roster can beat. But they've got to play defense. They've got to be tough. They can't get bodied like they got bodied against Rutgers. And Northwestern. Yeah. They've got to show some fight. And if they do, they're talented enough to beat the Badgers. And to Scott's point, that statement in the news from Jeff Goodman tells you, tells us, tells the IU coaching staff, tells the players, 
by the time reinforcements may arrive, your season's too late at that point. Correct. You have to write your ship now. You got to do it time, with the guys. Five in, games left. Right. Yes. Th- this guys, these guys, right now, yes. they're the ones that got to fix this. Not any prettier on the back end of this. Illinois, Michigan State. We pointed out earlier this week. The first five games was the chance for Mike Woodson to get this plane off the runway and really make some headway towards the top of the conference. Now we're going to find out. I think Mike Woodson's really good at being the good cop. Players love playing for Mike Woodson. He's a fun guy to be around. He brings an NBA style to college game. I think it's pretty loose team. And now can he be the disciplinarian that would channel his former bench general in Bloomington and find a way to, as you said, play some defense Yeah, and just figure out you have the top preseason player of the year. You have one of the top scoring freshmen in the guard position in America. And you have some people that can stand on the floor in the corner and shoot. So, if all of the energy is not being sent to the defensive end of the floor, I'm I'm just confused. Butler tonight with Villanova. Butler's a one and a half point favorite. Nova's really struggled two and four in Big East play. One that Thad Mata certainly wants. Purdue, Nebraska, Boilers, fourteen and a half point favorite. Third ranked team in the country. Gentlemen, earlier I alluded to the next. Scott Pollard coming out of the great woods of Wisconsin. I I would like to touch on that story if we could. There is a big fella from Devil's Lake, North Dakota. (laughs) That is an hour and a half half south of the Canadian border. I was just about to say, that's just South Canada. If you are ever brought Jimmy Cook to someone, a place called Devil's Lake, North Dakota, my assumption is just I'm not coming back. This is where it's all going to (laughs) end. And the body was found in Devil's Lake, (laughs) North Carolina. It's a fair fear to have, I agree. (laughs) The local Devil's Lake sheriff said... uh, (laughs) The last time anybody saw him was at 4.30 on Friday the 13th. Oh, God. It's almost 4.30 on Friday the 13th. <laughs> We're <laughs> heading to Devil's that, Lake, Charlie. That evil laugh again, Jimmy. Someone, ice, ice fishing on witness. Devil's Lake sounds like a bad proposition. Mother. Uh, his name's Grant Nelson. He plays at North Dakota State University. He's beginning to get national attention because of the uh, Victor Wembayamba-like highlights of just dribbling through people, dunking on people, and then also stepping back with the three, 6'11", 235, scores 16 and 8 in a, a night. Uh, Three-point ball has been a little down. I should have had this pulled up on my phone. More homework this weekend. Watch highlights of Grant Nelson at North Dakota State. Scott, I think I think he's continuing the big fella from out west, the, the legacy here. Look, the position's evolved, but... He may have a special place in your heart in a year's time. I'll have to check him out. I'll see what he's about. Does he have cool hair? Is really, I mean, no. if he's going to be the next Scott Pollard, he's got to have cool hair. He's got time to, to work on that. Right. Uh, I didn't gather that. You know, the NDSU, the, the camera's up in the rafters, so you're oh. kind of looking down on the court, and it's hard oh. to tell other than that guy's really tall and Kind of like when I was on video like games that. in college, and it was like <laughs> all you could see was a grainy 31 and a grainy blonde head. And it was like, that's me. <laughs> and at that time, that was the coolest thing. EA I'm sure. Sports. Oh, it's in the game. <laughs> We're always in the game here. Uh, Scott Pollard, Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook. We started the show by looking at Wild Card Weekend. I would love to chat about if there's an upset in the field. We've all nodded our heads. Uh, Miami in Buffalo, that seems darn near impossible without Tua Tungavailoa under those circumstances. And if, if my man walks in the building at all, the fans will beat the, Buff- the Dolphins. Damar Hamlin. I mean, it will be 
whenever he does does get to go back into the building and we don't want him to rush his health just no. for this weekend but if he does if he is healthy enough to go into the stadium this weekend oh my forget it forget, forget about it. it betting man jimmy cook would you put any money on the dolphins if that <laughs> no, happens I, I'm, I'm what's that line it's, jim it's 13 last i saw and if that breaks at all that hamlin is going to be there i'm rushing to the window to put the 13 because right now double figure spreads scare me in playoff games even though the bills are clear of the spirit team garbage time touchdowns happen they win by 20 if hamlin's in the building fair we're back on the fan to close the show after this. Some other news and notes on the Pacers-Hawks matchup. Uh, plus a final thought on if we're going to learn anything from the Colts coaching search this weekend or will be a quiet weekend for you as you enjoy hoops and the wild card festivities across the NFL. We're back after this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We are rumbling, stumbling, bumbling. on a wild card weekend. Let's roll. Charlie Clifford, Scott Pollard, Jimmy Cook. Before we weigh in on a Pacers injury update, Jimmy Cook with some betting expertise ahead of this weekend. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day, it is all super wildcard weekend. We're going to take Christian McCaffrey of the of the San Francisco 49ers, an anytime touchdown scorer as they host the Seattle Seahawks. Our upset pick, taking the Jaguars toward the money line against the Los Angeles Chargers. Also going to take Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills over one and a half total touchdown passes against the Miami Dolphins. Taking Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings as an anytime touchdown scorer as the Vikings host the New York Giants and also going to take Jamar Chase as an anytime touchdown scorer for the Bengals as they battle the Baltimore Ravens. 1-0-1 yesterday. Lucas saved us. Heat and the Bucks pushed. Plays on Twitter at the J Cook. That was a wild finish to Mavs Lakers last night. Jimmy Cook, how is the over-under for Josh Allen touchdown passes against? It's not great odds. It's minus 155. We're sacrificing okay. a little bit there. Okay. It's, it, it, there's not a, not a ton you. of juice to be had no, no, no. with that, that one, but that, that's how. That's fine. You're all in on the Jags. Yeah, I you like are, it. No Mike Williams. No turning back. No, no Mike Williams. I'm going to go to the coaching battle. I'm going to take Doug Peterson <laughs> over Brandon Staley. You didn't last pick him job. just because of the New gorgeous golden ball. locks. The golden locks got me a little bit too. They pull at okay. the heartstrings. I All won't right. lie. Okay, just I, making I, I sure. I can be manipulated. I just want you to be honest. I'm a human. Yeah. That that's an upset there. Uh, do you think Seattle can beat San Francisco? Third no. last pick in the draft, rookie QB. You're at home. Is that the most likely upset? Big time rivalry, <laughs> according to Charlie Clifford. <laughs> By West by, Coast bias, by odds and value <laughs> alone, the Jaguars are probably your most likely upset because they are an underdog, right? They're plus 105. Seattle is a nine point dog. The 49ers have proven that with the system that Kyle Shanahan has in place there and the weapons that are around mm-hmm. him, you could plug arguably one of us in there. Probably not, no disrespect to Brock Purity, but you get my point, right? Like, it, Jimmy, they've proven just, pretty much anybody can be under center, and they're going to move like a fine-tuned <laughs> machine. Uh, no, I think Jags are most likely upset this weekend. In general, thank you for your service for bringing some sense to the show for the last few days. We 
I we like cannot that. thank you enough. That's I take, beyond. I take that personally. <laughs> that's on behalf of Scott Pollard and myself. Questionable Pacers tonight against the Hawks. You already know Tyrese Halberton's out. He's going to be down for two weeks with a knee and an elbow. Miles Turner, Aaron Neesmith, O'Shea Brissett, all questionable for the game. No update just yet. No Clint. Clint Capella for the Hawks. 7 o'clock tip, 6.30 pregame here. Purdue's a 7 o'clock tip at home and against Nebraska. Butler's a 7 o'clock tip at home against Villanova. The Badgers are coming to Assembly Hall 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And then you watch football until we talk to you again earlier this week. Scott, what's going on this weekend? Uh, Friday the 13th, I've got plans. I've got a hockey mask and a machete. It's Friday night, Scott. Yep. And uh, <laughs> got a couple CDC games tomorrow, not Just the uh, Center for right Disease Controls, the, but the, the hockey uh, machete. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the it's the Carmel Dads Club. I, I, I coach one. I watch the other because uh, I can't coach six-year-olds anymore. I don't have the patience. Mm. Uh, the You've high school kids, are, uh, they, they're turnkey. Uh, they're easy. Um, but uh, we have a good group of kids. You're talking that, hoops here? Yeah, I'm coaching that tomorrow. Oh, uh, that's That's my plan. I got two games tomorrow, and and, uh, then I'll be watching foosball in between. Cheers. Jay Cook, what's going on after your whirlwind trip to Florida? Uh, If you want to go to roncollymedianetwork.com tomorrow afternoon. I would love to do that. Girls basketball team against Martinsville at 1.30, and then the rest of the weekend, hanging out, feet up, playing some bets, watching some Super Wild Card weekend. Amen. Uh, shout out Lawrence North Wildcats girls hoops team stun Lawrence Central last night. We were in the house for that one on ISC Sports Network. Uh, thriller in Jack Kiefer Gymnasium, which was up for grabs for early January. High school hoops. It never sleeps in the basketball state. For Scott Pollard, Charlie Clifford, and Jimmy Cook, we are down to our final minute. Um, will there be a cold? Colts coaching decision this weekend, gentlemen. Maybe there will be on Saturday. <laughs> oh, and we've officially been fired. Now, I what I now, we're, now we're done. Yeah. Now we're really no, done. Not did yet. you see what I did there with the name and the day of the week? Nothing's <laughs> going to happen. Nothing's going to happen this weekend. I don't see it. Not this weekend. No, it's too quick. Okay. There's we, other names we, to be mentioned. We, we march onward in the quest of the next general on West 56th Street. For now... We bid you a great weekend here. We hope the sun peaks out. Come say hi if you're stopping by the Fieldhouse or some of these high school gyms, and we will see you on Monday. JMV is up next.